Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, we have been bringing you a podcast about movies. And every week, we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world, except on special weeks like this one, where we count down our 10 favorite films of 2020 in our annual Film Explosion episode. And. We're still in the grips of lousy coronavirus, but four of us are in uh, the same room. I'm going to start with Zach. Hello. Corinne. Hi. Brad. What up? And in New York City, we have Henry. Hello. And in Littleton, we have James. Yeah, hi. Um, yeah, also, we're a proud sponsor of popcultureclassroom.org. Make sure you log on there and support their endeavors during this difficult time yes absolutely um, if you've never listened to a film explosion we each have picked our 10 favorite films of this year which was a little weird um and then we're going to count them down and we're going to play the trailer for you if it hasn't been said before so like if someone picks tenant early and someone picks it later you won't hear the trailer for tenant again we'll just call those people fucking assholes for sweeping our legs but I've been conversing with Brad over the week, and I guess there's going to be a lot of uh, hurt feelings this year. Oh, I mean, God obviously the pool of films was uh, fewer to choose from, mm-hmm. uh, except for me. I actually went to the theater like 75 times. Nice. So, um, but yeah, like a lot of a lot of our movies are going to be the same, but on different. Yeah, rankings, but when you say so. theater, that's also when you went to the drive-in, right? Yeah, that's a theater. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. you're able to go to the drive-in. Is this the point in the that's pandemic true. where we all just murder each other because, like, this is what we've gotten to? Is the sweep legs or the final straw? Totally. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to die. So we need to figure out who the biggest asshole is well, this year. Well, so far, the biggest asshole was in 1980 when I picked The Fog as number 10, and it was Zach's number one. Which is fine, because I've done more than enough to hurt his feelings over the years. We know, <laughs> and I don't like to bring it up. Uh, but it might happen, it might not. But it's all in good fun, because we love movies... And hopefully those theaters will slowly start trickling. Uh, theaters will trickle open. Um, one has started to open in this area because I really wanted to see Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters. And so yeah. I brought up theaters in Colorado that were open. The closest one to me was Pueblo. I go, mm, I'm not going to drive out there. 
Yeah, as much as I didn't enjoy Wonder Woman 84, part of me is suspicious that I might enjoy it, you know, with the proper sound design I, I agree. and yeah. epic well, scale. If we all move into level orange, which we're supposed to on Monday, yeah. then yeah, the theaters should reopen to 25% capacity, I think. I think they I think they can cuz I mean the one Highlands Ranch has, so I think um and I, I've been looking at the stats. Colorado has been doing pretty good because we have a progressive thinking governor and the lockdowns suck. But hopefully we're turning a corner after these huge spikes because of the holidays. And um, it just means we'll be that good people to go. are making the right decisions. Yep. Keep it up. Hopefully. Can I just say, though, you said it's been a weird year. Let's let's scratch that and say wackadoodle because it's okay. been a wackadoodle film year. What are you in Cool World? <laughs> yes, yes. If it if it means we can use the word wackadoodle, I'm in cool world. We are not in cool world. <laughs> <laughs> so this is reality. In, we are so in hot zone world. This is I not was, reality. <laughs> so many movies I was looking forward to seeing got delayed. I know. I read a whole like article. Death on the Nile. I wanted to see Death on the Nile. I was reading an article on uh, the Hollywood Reporter, and they said 21 films were moved to 2021. Hmm, kind of ironic. My name is Hercule Poirot, and I'm here to solve a pandemic mystery. <laughs> I didn't do it, but my original idea for the sweeper graphics this year was to show the trailer for every movie that got delayed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was way too much work. So. Yeah. so fuck that. Got this instead. Still looks beautiful. But it was a fun idea because all those movies were swept to 2021. <laughs> yeah, I, I will I will say on this line that, uh, you know, because it was a COVID year, uh, I'll, I'll prep you that, you know, I didn't see a lot of movies, certainly in theaters. Um and so I, I've, I've broken some rules, uh, or at least bent them a little bit. So as we go through my list, there are going to be some places where it's like, well, does that qualify? And I'll, I'll at least make my argument. You know what, James? I'll erase any doubt of your list. Say again? I, I, I'll erase any doubt of your list. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've cool. seen James's list. I'm not sure he knows what a movie is anymore. <laughs> That's how much lockdown he's been under. Hey, you know what? If Irishman James... counts, man, I think I can do a lot of crazy stuff. No, no, no. The Irishman is three and a half hours. You can't pick The Mandalorian all two seasons of it. Hey, The Irishman has episode titles in it, so I'm pretty well, sure it doesn't. It does not. <laughs> you didn't watch the movie. <laughs> I saw six of my top ten in theaters this year. I'm kind of proud of myself. Nice. Did, did anybody, any of us have like entries in the list that they did see in the theaters? Like, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So the James... last movie I saw in theaters is on my list. Okay, cool. Awesome. It's 90% of why it's on my list is just because it's the last movie I saw in theaters. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of in a similar boat. We'll get to it. But I can't confirm Netflix is having a great year among us. So yeah. Yeah. Netflix is uh is a booming. I mean, there are other streaming services, guys. You can watch movies on them. <laughs> there's Prime. There's HBO Max. Yeah, yeah I, I'll I tell you. I, I think about yeah. half of the stuff on my list is off of HBO Max or off of HBO. Like, right on. They yeah. they had a really good year, in my opinion. Netflix bought me out. <laughs> Henry, how you doing, buddy? You look you look a little sad. No, I'm just I'm fine. I have a lower camera angle because my other computer that I usually use is not connecting to the internet. So, oh, gotcha! <laughs> you look—you look like you lost the governor camp, your governor campaign. And no, no, just, no. Just, well, just, just, I wasn't like to back a little bit, and you'll look so. a, a, a toast, Henry, to love on your terms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, James, uh, James, Brad, once again prepared a DVD, and the Brad has optimized the order to sweep people 
and make this a bloodbath. Yeah, tag us up when we are reviewing stuff at the same time. Um, you know, most efficient way to get through all these as fast as possible. If, if Brad makes this DVD up and whatnot every year and he concocts all this, does that mean he's the jujitsu master? He comes oh, yeah. over this portal to make yes. us all fight amongst each other? You're the Nick Cage of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Way to reference a completely obscure movie that I'm not even sure an episode our listeners listen to. That you picked. <laughs> that we have I a hard cutoff today, right? So we're, we're trying to be brief. Well, in, in fairness to Brad, he sent me a... a list of movies we should watch i'm like jiu-jitsu looks like a piece of shit let's watch it <laughs> <laughs> that's seven dollars i'll never M- get much back. like creature right james <laughs> oh my god <laughs> they, they can't all be winners we could have watched the help we could have put like <laughs> and now we're right like we we have the help oh uh, you know like decent controversial but generally really good or we could see creature a movie that starts with a man throwing a towel off of his back like what oh my god what a piece of shit i feel no oh look it's a monster Ooh, (laughs) on its back i should watch (laughs) rewatch creature in honor of sid haig it's been a while because sid haig deserves that nope no, remember that scary shot where the creature was coming up through the trap door? <laughs> That's all I remember from that film. All I remember is the swamp. Yep. <laughs> oh, remember that movie ends with a half alligator baby? Yes, and that's why Fuck it deserves no. it de- and that's why it deserves to be rewatched. Yeah, like I think it's gonna be a shot factor release in the alligator future. Alligator monster like rapes a lady and then she has. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. Yeah. Fuck. That yeah. movie's a piece of that's shit. That's the plot of that movie that yeah. you chose for us to see. It's insane. That's why I want to rewatch it. Since creature is a piece of shit, and I chose it, hence I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> Anyways, um, the order is uh, Corinne, Zach, Henry, the best, James, and then Brad. So, um, when did you change your name? <laughs> it's Ryan, always, the best. It's always, cross. I used to say uh, not the best, the greatest, because it's never like the greatest hits always sounds better than like the best of. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what people remember you for is your greatest hits, not not your best of. Have you reached the legendary collection status yet? Totally. <laughs> Awesome, Derry. Um, so also, James and Henry, for you, I'm going to flip around the uh, computer so you can see the trailers. Oh, okay. Sounds good. All right. So we're going to start off with Corinne in some fucking British movie. Actually, this is the only movie on the bottom half of my list that isn't British. Um, this, I, 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 you know, I thought this this movie would be a good ringer because I'm like, this movie would be on my list for one reason and one reason only. But when I went back and rewatched some of the clips and looked into it a little bit more, I was like, you know what? This is actually a pretty good movie. It's got a cool story behind it. It taught me a little bit about Chinese culture and mythology. And also it has a very diverse, well, not diverse cast, but an all Asian cast. And that's always good to see. So here it is. I love to hear about the moon goddess. Again? Tell me, Mama. A beautiful woman and a handsome man were in love. But she accidentally took a magic potion and floated away, leaving her true love behind. Now she waits for him 
on the moon. Oh, poor lady, that goddess. So lonely up there on the moon, dreaming of her one true love. Holy the church! Jin! Ah! It's just a silly myth. It's not a silly myth. It's real. She's on the moon right now, waiting for her true love. Right, Papa? Uh. He used to believe in her. If Papa could only believe again. You and me, Bungie. We're the last true believers. We're gonna prove she's real. I have a superpower! No barriers! Papa, he ran into a wall. So my number 10 is a Netflix movie called Over the Moon. It's an animated musical. It feels a lot like a Disney movie. Like the songs, the tropes feel like a Disney movie. But, and unfortunately the trailer doesn't even get into the best part. Which is, okay, so the story is that this uh, girl living in China, her mom dies when she's young. And she has this, like, whole, like, she believes in the myth of Chang'e, which if you don't know Chinese mythology, Chang'e is the lady moon goddess, and she's, like, waiting for her true love, Hoi-Yi, who died uh, because she became immortal and he didn't. There's a lot of versions of the story. But um, this girl believes in the myth of Chang'e, and so she's trying to prove that Chang'e is real by going to the moon. And... Um, she eventually gets there, which you got a glimpse of in the trailer. Um, and the best part of the movie is when they're on the moon and you get to meet Chang'e, who's played by, um, Philippa Sue. I'd have to double check the name, but, um, you would know her from Hamilton. <laughs> she's awesome. And, uh, Chang'e is like, she steals the show. Um, she's just this, like, she just has such presence and, like the the costume and the the singing and everything it's a lot of fun and it's ultimately a movie about grief and like learning to move past that grief and 
spoilers through the movie. <laughs> but one of the wait, you're gonna do spoilers? Weird. Sorry, sorry. Her Mandalorian spoiler. I went back and looked. Was literally like five minutes after the episode aired. Is the spoiler? No, that it's it, not. It, is it, it is. Is the spoiler that it was Earth all along? No, it okay. was not Earth all along. Um, but okay. this, the spoiler is that the main like I don't know how to explain it, but basically it boils down to this conversation between. <laughs> no, no one can hear your spoiler. Okay, you're gonna keep doing this, Ryan. Yep. <laughs> so the main conversation boils. They turn into dragons. They breathe fire. No, they don't. So sparkles in. It's gonna be a long episode. <laughs> so Changa has a conversation with the main character, and they're both kind of um, absorbed in their grief because of the things that have happened in the movie, and they kind of help each other, like learn to move past that grief and like realize like these are the things that you have still. Like you shouldn't be so hung up on what you you've lost but uh, but recognize what you still have mm-hmm. and for the main character that's her new stepbrother and her new step stepmother who uh, is played by sandra O, oh, who's not in the movie very much but anyway it's a good movie it there's a, like the middle third is kind of stupid but because there's a dumb moon dog played by uh Oh crap! I just forgot his Matthew name. Matthew McConaughey plays. Who's the guy? Dog? Who's the guy from uh, oh, The Hangover? Off. Who is in Community? Um, that guy. Oh, Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong. Yeah, Ken Jeong. Uh, I think that movie dumb. was actually supposed to be released in theaters. Maybe I remember because after I saw the title, I'm like, oh, I remember something about this film. It would probably be a pretty fun theater watch. Is it a DreamWorks technically thing? Question mark. Um, I think it was supposed to be with DreamWorks. Ah. Or like this it's is a, a company it's... that's. I, I'm on the Wikipedia for it. It's Netflix Animation uh, and then a couple of Chinese uh, production studios. And yes. then Sony Pictures yes, Image Works, but I don't know what that is. And so, Yeah, it was co-made by a um, Chinese studio, and so it's authentic to that culture, unlike certain other movie that came out this year. Yeah, I was con- I was, I was baffled at your 10 because I was like, you didn't like Mulan. <laughs> and I did that on purpose. Yeah, there you go. Because Mulan sucks. Oh. But this movie's great. Sort of. And so that's my number 10, Over the Moon. Zach? All right. Um, my list is is insane, but it's also like but nine out of 10 of them are uh, are in color, guys, so don't worry about it. And one's in black and white. Right? Really? I would never guess what your one in black and white would be on your list. Oh, yeah. But anyway, uh, my number 10, though, is not only in, in color, but it's got all the colors in it. And uh, it also features the return of a director that I thought had gone away forever. But now he's back. Look at this. All those years in the big city, we finally got out. We're living the dream. Maybe it is a dream. Like, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before. Looks like a meteorite. You mean it's radioactive? I mean, it's from space, right? Meteorites are generally no more dangerous than ordinary rocks. 
can something that big just disappear? Did you plant those? No. Ward, you come here for a sec. Oh, God. What are you doing? Shh. It's talking to me. Who's talking to you? It's in the static, it's in the moisture, it's in here, it's out there. And what's out there is in here now. Everything's under control. Why are you so in denial? That thing from the meteorite changes everything around it. It's just the color. Can you believe me now? I don't know what I believe anymore. So my number 10 is Richard Stanley's Color Out of Space, um, based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. Uh, it features Nicolas Cage as the father of a family uh, where a space thing crashes into their front yard and decides to turn them all insane. Uh, it's, uh, it's really wonderful to watch Richard Stanley not only come back this way, but somebody had the audacity to give him all that money to do all the things he does in that movie. There's a lot of wonderful practical effects. There's some neat actual like low, like subtle CGI in there, but there's like, there's just madness running through it, which is all I want from a Richard Stanley movie. If you don't know who Richard Stanley is, he's the guy who directed hardware and, um, uh, dust devil. And he kind of went away for a long time after getting thrown off of the island of Dr. Moreau in the 90s, um, which then ended up being taken over by John Frankenheimer. So he's back with kind of like a bigger film, and this one is a, uh, a wonderful way to come back. Um, I also think this is Nicolas Cage's best performance in years because Richard Stanley knows how to tap into what's been popular about Cage for the past couple of years. Like He's become kind of an internet sensation with his over-the-top performances, and Richard knows how to tap into that. And so this over-the-top performance is absolutely correct for the movie that he's making. Um, and also there's a wonder, there's a lot of homage to the thing within it because of the Lovecraft connection in there. Um, uh, I won't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say, thank that, you, Zach. I will say that llamas play a very important part in this movie. Llamas. Llamas. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic film. I saw it at the, um, and it's and I mean there's sort of a ringer element to it because it's like you I can't put it at the top of my list but it has to be on this list, um, and it was one of the one of the last things I saw in a theater before everything shut down. I saw it at the Westminster Alamo, which is a place I want to go back to as soon as possible, um, and I saw it at, like pretty late at night after watching um, Ford v Ferrari again with Brad, and it was just a it was just a wonderful time. Like everybody was hooting and hollering. Uh, everybody was giggling at Tommy Chong's stuff, at Nicolas Cage's stuff. There was a point in watching it where I was like, why, why are we laughing at Nick Cage this time? No, this is an actual good performance, guys. Stop it. But then I also got into the, into the, to the mind frame of it and just having fun with this, this insane horror movie. So, yeah, if you like crazy sci-fi, 
bit of a cerebral element to it, you're going to dig this movie. Um, if you don't like insane amounts of gore and crazy alien creatures that look like they came out straight out of your nightmares, you're probably not going to like it. Um, and if you don't like Nicolas Cage, you're certainly not going to like this movie. Yeah, none, none of that sounds great to me, but every movie I've ever seen with llamas prominently in it has been great, so I'm in. Yeah, so James, watch this movie for the llamas. <laughs> Big fan of Napoleon Dynamite, uh, Emperor's New Groove, great films. Uh, I'm a, I'll am see food. this movie. <laughs> this one, This one's going to be your mature llama entry. <laughs> You should watch it at your Lamaze class. Uh, <laughs> this is my second kitchen. We don't Thanks know Lamaze. No yeah, you're, you're not allowed to tell my jokes. <laughs> Lamaze is for people who don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's nine number 10, Color Out of Space. Sorry, Richard Stanley's H.P. Lovecraft's Disney Marvel's Color Out of Space. <laughs> Next up, we're going all the way to beautiful New York City. Henry, what is your number 10 film? Well, uh, when I walked out of the theater for my number 10 film, if you had told me this is going to be in your top 10 of the year, I would have said, well, it better be number 10. So (laughs) here it is. Hey, that's how I feel about my 10. beloved friends we gather here in this time of man's great innocence 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 no is Emma uh, and uh, I just like it a lot I think uh, it's very charming uh, I thought it's really I really I've liked uh, Anya Taylor-Joy for a while now and uh, it's just good to see her in a role where uh, she can just have fun and not be scared the entire time and so I really like that aspect of it she's very she's very fun to watch just be just a high school bully to everyone around her um, and just kind of just be so confident in that uh, and so I, I find that aspect fun, but uh, yeah. So my number ten film is uh, Emma. That one. No, it, I, I thought it might be on Corinne's list, and that's it. So it is. Well, you surprise, me. Henry. <laughs> uh, oh man, my number ten. You know, I didn't realize as when I was making my list that this actor has been on my list. I think four years in a row. And this film, while maybe there's a lot of films that are better, 
Um, sometimes you need to watch a movie and just have a lot of fun. And that's why my number 10 is this film. Well, hello, my ghouls and goblins. I know you've got your costumes picked out for the frightful festivities. <laughs> and I hope you all get more treats than tricks. Halloween Japan! Guy, Hubie Dubois is the nicest guy in this town. Here is some happy Halloween word searches. You can pass it out to the kids. Thank you so much. As a trained volunteer, I know what it's like when your spooky fun gets out of hand. Oh, Richard, the, no, no, no. the supermarket's selling expired bacon. Janet at the library has not been herself lately. I heard a voice in the sewer. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize her. Pretty impressive how long he's been a loser. Oh, messing with Shuby Dubois. Murder! The Salem tradition. <laughs> you gotta expect a scare here or there. There's something off in this town. Mr. Lambert? Mr. Is that you? Salem PD? Yeah, you're obviously. This is Hubie Dubois. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look up. Salem needs me. What are you going to do, Mr. Dubois? We're going to do every October 31st. Make sure every citizen is protected. No one in Salem is safe tonight. So would you lose your thermos? Oh, that'll never happen. Anyway. We got an unsolved mystery here. Oh. Cuban! I know who did this. Not now, UB. Mayor, I suggest we cancel Halloween immediately. We ain't canceling a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is some Dateline NBC shit. People are strange. People are strange. People are strange. <laughs> you're the best person I know. That's why you're a hero. So my number 10 is the Adam Sandler classic, Hubie Halloween. Uh, in it, he plays a guy who loves Halloween and lives in Salem, Massachusetts. And then there's a serial killer on the loose, maybe. Um, Steve Buscemi plays a werewolf, maybe. Um, Hubie Dubois has a thermos that can turn into anything. Um, it's totally stupid, but I had so much fun watching it because... I love Adam Sandler, and if you could just put a pot and you made a stew of, like, Adam Sandler-style humor, it's this, speaking in a weird voice, total weird humor that doesn't make any sense, um, like a sweet arc with him and a love interest throughout it, um, and his mom wears these really funny shirts, like um, 
I get really wet canoeing. <laughs> it's like it's and or if you if you're this close, you're in fart zone. I mean, it's just really stupid. Um, but sometimes I really need a movie like this, and it's just a lot of fun to watch Adam Sandler be Adam Sandler. Especially, you know, last year uh, I had Uncut Gems on my list, and he is an ass in that movie and great. Uh, and it's just kind of fun to see him go back to being silly. Well, this was his revenge for not getting an Oscar nomination. Oh, yeah, this is it. not the worst movie. I, I Sometimes when he has a goofy voice, um, you get stuff like The Water Boy, which is really fun. And then other times you get Little Nicky, which is a mess. Well, um, and that's what I th- the trailer for it didn't really sell me, but I keep hearing that it's great, so I need, do need to sit down. Yeah, because the trailer's way too long. Um, but yeah, it's it's really goofy. It doesn't really make much sense. Um, but you know, if I like that one where him and Jennifer Aniston ride a boat, will I like this one? Yeah, yeah. All I remember is Jennifer, him, and Jennifer Aniston on a boat at the end. So that yes, yeah, so that's 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 murder mystery. Yeah, that was a murder mystery. I like that one. Was that was it like that one? Yeah, it's it's literally just a goofy Halloween movie. It's not. It's I mean, Steve Buscemi seriously plays a dude who thinks he's a werewolf, and throughout the film, people are always throwing things at Hubie, and uh, there's this part where he's running through the forest, and even bears are throwing shit at him because. I don't know. <laughs> it's just because it's Adam Sandler and it's weird. It's funny that you tell me Buscemi thinks he's a werewolf and the reality is is that he plays a werewolf in Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is a werewolf in real life. He, You know, he might be. Anyways, Hubie Halloween is my number 10. Good, silly Adam Sandler fun. Awesome. And James is coming to us from beautiful San Francisco right by the Golden Gate Bridge. Thank you. James, thank you for joining us and having that beautiful shot you... of the sunset. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I figured if Henry was in New York, then I should I should go somewhere scenic. Um... <laughs> oh, wait. Andy Circus and a team of apes are behind you. The real nerds are coming from you from oh, coast Good thing to coast. I'm up here in this helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, my number 10, uh, as I alluded to before, my number 10 is... is not solely on my list because it's the last movie I saw in theaters. Um, it's also on my list because I went to see this with my friend Rafe, uh, who usually he and I will go see complete dog shit together and have a good time, right? So, like, he's the guy I go see, you know, Triple X 16, The Return of Xander Cage with, and we, we laugh and we have fun and we, you know, like, it's great. Um, and we went and saw this movie. Uh, and had a beer before, and we're like, this is gonna be great. This is, we're gonna suffer so much. And then this movie was like able to kind of win me over by the end, and I somewhat enjoyed it. And it just it was not quite good enough to be really fun, but also too good to be really really fun. So uh, here's here's my number ten. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. What? Ow! Let the plate Sonic! Let the bitches mount also Sonic! Ugh, I can't with that guy. Uh-oh. Uh... Ah! Super Sonic! 
Why are you hiding out in my garage? They're coming for me. If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Supersonic. Good morning, my rural chum. Mr. Dr. Robotnik. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. <laughs> Road trip. This can't be happening to me. Oh my God, stop the car right what? now. What? The world's largest rubber band ball? We gotta see it. No, this is not some fun family road trip. Eh, you're right. It was lame. Gift shop was cool, though. Whatever this creature is, I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah, hey. I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them! We gotta lay low. Let me show you how it's done. Hey, hey. So should we get out of here? Yeah, time to go. I always want to do this. Nailed it! Hey, hey. Uh-oh. Let's go! Here comes the boom! How are you not dead? I have no idea! Oh! Give me a big fat! That was an illegal left, by the way. Aw, this one is cute. Let's keep him. Oh, come on! You've got car insurance, right? Why would you throw your life away for this silly little alien? Good time. He's my friend. Let's go! This is my power. And I'm using it to protect my friends. So, you're supposed to be Tom's best friend that he won't shut up about. Well, I don't see the appeal. That is very gross. Let's go. Uh, yeah, so my number 10 is Sonic the Hedgehog, um, which, you know, I think it should tell you something and maybe set a good, uh, a good pace for the rest of my list when I tell you that Sonic the Hedgehog, which came out in February, is the last film I saw in theaters. Um, so it is what it is. Um, you know, James, I always said this movie is way better than it should be. I had a lot of fun with it. This movie follows the formula of like an Alvin and the Chipmunks or all of those other like complete dog Smurfs, all these like dog shit kids movies where it's like, let's take this character who's a cartoon, come up with an excuse for him to be in a real world, um, have, you know, the cheapest shittily thought up uh action scenes and car chases we can like the one you saw there in the trailer where like they're just on a street in the middle of like washington state and they there's some cars that explode like it's really uninteresting when you in premise i should say um and and it, you know they 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 made at least the smart decision of okay go cast like the cheapest guy on the side who doesn't have anything but the stand to do right now and like <laughs> isn't making a lot Poor of money uh go have him be the actual guy who has to put in a lot of like time work because he's going to be expensive but then go get somebody who actually is genuinely really funny and ben schwartz pay him for like f- six days worth of work and just hope that he really like swings uh, swings for the fences right um like that's the formula they followed and and then on top of that, they made a first version of the movie where the CG was so dumb and ugly that all of the internet rebelled against this film. So there's no reason this movie should be good. But nope. they bankrupt that FX company, but 
yeah, Ben Schwartz is actually amazing in this movie. There's actually a lot of really good comedic moments and it, it ends up winning you over. The plot is lean enough when it needs to be, but but at least hits hits the nails it needs to hit along the way to actually pull the thing off. Um, Jim Carrey doing The Grinch without makeup is actually really fun. Um, and yes, he's maddening and stupid and there are jokes that fall flat, but when he's just doing a, a thousand jokes a minute, uh, he can let 90% of them fall flat and he's still pretty funny. Um, like the movie ends up working pretty well. And as I sat here watching the trailer with you guys, I, I ordered it on Amazon because I was like, yeah, I need this. Like, this is this is fine. In a world that I have, I have shat all over the majority of kids films for so long for basically just like, you know, running the bases, trying to put in a song so that there's something people can dance to and make the kids leave feeling like they ate some popcorn and were distracted for an hour. Like this movie is kind of that. Like I'm never going to argue that this is anywhere near a girl, you know, uh, how to train your dragon or anything like that. Um, not even close, but still pretty good. And in a COVID year, it passes for a ringer. You know, James, I will say as someone who has seen all the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies multiple times, Sonic is way better. <laughs> oh, I'm sh I, yeah, that's what I mean. Like they they made a miracle happen, but but not because of anything they did to actually like plan or make a good movie. Like I think what? I I think it's just like somehow good stew happened. I'm I'm happy that people like that movie and I did like Jim Carrey in that movie. So that was more than enough to make it worth watching you're right james it is a real ring or rings in that movie put something else on my tongue zach has literally rubbed off on all of us with these jokes you're all my children now <laughs> wow we made it to brad brad your number 10 film uh, my number 10 film is a chilling update to a classic. Adrian? He was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then I was controlling when I left the house. And eventually, what I thought. Okay. 
He's sitting in that chair. Yeah, my number 10 is The Invisible Man. Um, I think it's a pretty clever update on that story. Um, we're joking between... There, there are a couple places where... You know, for, for a movie that spends a lot of time like being inventive and, and creative and clever, uh, there's some spots like, um, you know, when the paint... When she douses him in the paint, like he really quickly cleans up before... Uh, she tracks him down again. Like that seems like uh, it's made of Teflon. The suit so <laughs> washes off really easily. Okay. Yep. Um, and I forgot the other point in the movie. I was forgetting. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some kind of like boneheaded stuff in there. I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty convenient that that worked out that way. Oh, him kicking like a hundred and twenty pound woman across the table with like his like he's not a superhuman. He just has a tech the, suit. <laughs> the suit helps him. I yep. guess it gives I you know. super strength. It's an Iron Man suit. I'm just suit. making excuses. Yeah. So parts like that, it's like, okay, like it's, it's there for like to be more flashy than it should be. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the invisible, invisible man. I think the invisible man is the, uh, most underrated universal monster. He's my favorite or, and underestimated. Yeah. And it's amazing that they brought him back. We're going to talk about this a lot. Hopefully you, you literally made Zach like get up and leave. <laughs> oh no, no, I didn't need to just, I was trying to figure out what was going on, but there's a, my humidifier was on. So anyway, yeah, we'll talk about it further. Yep. Corinne number nine. All right. My number nine is, um, British period drama. No. Number one. <laughs> whether I turn out to be the hero of my own story or whether that station will be held by anybody else. These moments must show. My boyhood days seem now like a scarcely believable fiction. London is full of wonders and wickedness. And it's ours, David, to go wherever we choose. Well, I'm not down there. Creditors make that road impossible. Two tailors and a most unreasonable muffin man. Copperfield! Your mama is ill. How old is she? Very ill. Very ill. Very ill. Very ill. Dangerously ill. She's dead. We're very sorry. I'm David Copperfield. I'm your nephew. You're the only family I have. What do we do with him? If I were you, I'd wash him. Oh, donkeys! This is a donkey-free zone! Move it! You're a remarkable woman. Very kind. You had nothing. Then you had something. And now you got nothing again. So stands to write you'll have something again. You were staring. Is there something wrong with me? No, 
I apologize for my rudeness. Think nothing of it, sir. He speaks very well. It was actually me. Oh, Romeo, do some work. Oh, good morning! You know what I want? A straight jacket, a husband? <laughs> Feels like a party. This narrative is far more than mere fiction. It is, in fact, written memory. And you'll have quite the ride on the way. Thank you for getting this on your list. Yeah. My number nine is The Personal History of David Copperfield. And uh, I don't know. It was just a fun ride. Uh, I had never, I've never read the book. I've never seen any other adaptation. So I felt like this was a good um, way to get introduced to the story. The cast is phenomenal. Um, and I've, I said before on the podcast, I appreciate the fact that it's race blind casting. Um, that's something I want to see more of in period dramas because I'm really tired of seeing just all white people. Um, mm-hmm. But it's you know it's a Fun, <laughs> fun story with, um, you know, a lot of your classic Dickensian eccentrics. You've got the aunt who, for some reason, hates donkeys. You've got the sort of uncle who can hear, like, the king of France in his head or something. It's really weird. Yep. Um, Peter Capaldi plays a guy who's, like, always ducking his moneylenders. It's just a fun time, mm-hmm. so... I wanted more of the movie to be like that hand coming down, like the surrealism, like True. those parts. Yeah, I mean, I, like two. I think we talked about it um, before that it could have been a little bit more creative because it, it does feel like they try to make it like a cool narrative device that David Copperfield is telling his own history. And so he can kind of insert himself into the story as it's happening. And they kind of do that a little bit at the beginning. And then it doesn't really happen much the rest of the way. Right. It's a it's a film that I tried to sneak onto my list because I had a lot of fun with it, but it was it, it, there was just a lot of other stuff stacking on top. But that the Ianucci's really good at surprising and delighting me. So, and he does really good with Dickens. Um, he, I like that he sums it up um, without having to tell the entirety of it because it's almost impossible to translate Dickens mm-hmm. word for word unless it's a Christmas Carol. So. Right. I mean, I think the main point is like. As a Dickens story, you're trying to see people across, you know, the entire social strata. Mm-hmm. And that definitely happens here. You've got the story of, you know, the boy who has nothing and then he has something and then he has nothing and then he has something again. And just kind of, you know, that's self-made and, you know, he comes up through the ranks because of his hard work and his creativity, that kind of stuff. So very yeah. Dickensian. So yeah, my number nine is Personal History of David Copperfield. Awesome. Zach, your number nine. All right. My number nine was a not only a very fun time at the theater um, and a nice little giggle fest, but um, it was it, it was nice to uh, see a different approach to paranormal comedy. And here it is. Why don't we see ghosts every day? Oh, leave me alone. Most hauntings are so small, they go unnoticed. Maybe you could have a chat with my daughter just to find out what's up with her. My name is Martin. 
boxing. She's floating, Martin. I know. What is evil? <laughs> I'm doing an incantation. Now! Hear me, powers of the night. The blood moon is nigh. This bloody moon better make me bloody rich. Yes. This is a satanic ritual. Satanists. I woke up in the morning. To break the spell, we need ectoplasm. You just have to let the ghost inhabit your body. Like in Ghostbusters. Oh, I haven't read that. The plot thickens. Why does it have to be so unnecessarily gross? Like magic! Aha! Your girl's got something. Prick. Holy s***! Yeah, so my number nine is Extraordinary. Um, it's a film starring Maybe Higgins and Will Forte. Um, it's a film I actually forgotten I had seen and loved until Brad reminded <laughs> me of it because um, it was so. It was back in March when we saw it for one of our regular episodes. Um, I really love how charming and sweet it is, while also tapping into the horror comedy area of it. Um, I mean, if we're going to talk about, like, the standout performance of the film, on an obvious level, it's Will Forte, like, stealing the show whenever he gets the chance. He plays a a one-hit wonder musician who's trying to perform a satanic ritual in order to <laughs> make his make yeah. his career bounce again. Uh, but maybe Higgins plays a uh, paranormal expert who's given it up because it ruined her family. Um, and then she's drawn back into it and is uh, set upon helping this family that... Um, Will Forte's after in terms of getting the the ritual done, um, and I and there's like a bit of a like nice little rom com snuck in there a little bit that's very nice and very sweet, um, and that's also it, it's done on a, it's clearly done on like a lower budget but it looks wonderful like I, there's CGI in it that I actually approve of within the scape of a horror film in terms of the climax, um, it's not like it, it's it just it's appropriate for the movie they're making. Um, and I, I, I just appreciate that. Like, I mean, Ghostbusters has kind of run the, the realm of like the, the, the horror comedy about ghosts. And I like to see that there's something different happening abound. Um, so yeah, my number nine, extraordinary. Henry, your number nine. I'm going to wait till they remake it with all women. <laughs> the, the, there's a woman at the lead of the movie. <laughs> ah. Okay. All right. So uh, my number nine film is uh, a film that, while I liked, this is a weird year. I, this is the first year in the podcast history that I've not seen a hundred films. Uh, and so, uh, what was me? And uh, but my number nine is a good <laughs> film. And uh, here it is. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, honey. Happy birthday to. This was your daddy's. Brought back from the war. 
it's time to pass it on. It's the best present I ever got. Thank you. why people from two points on a map without even a straight line between them can be connected is at the heart of our story and knock them stiff you ever think about how we ended up orphans living in the same house i know what my daddy did some people would say it's just dumb luck you take pictures i do i see a smile pretty enough to photograph that is Others would tell you it was God's plan. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. When people look back on it, they had no other choice. There's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. Excuse me, preacher. You got time for a sinner. I studied something. It's called the delusion. A belief that is untrue. It is our delusion that lead us to sin. Delusions! Some people were born just so they could be buried. What I'm about to do, I do because I have to. Not because I want to. My number nine film is The Devil All the Time. Um, I just really like Southern Gothic kind of stuff that really is my vibe a lot and uh i love myself some uh tom holland and some uh bill scarsgar and some you know the others and so uh well it's a big cast it's an ensemble so i can't list all of them we're busy jason clark is crying somewhere <laughs> so but yeah i mean i think it's it's the film really is like any fly half of the film is very much not in the cast it's more so that's a very difficult story to really pull off the pacing for but really this film should be approached as kind of an acting showcase because really everyone in the film is really at the top of their game i think is giving a really good performance and so that's why i really like it and that's why i'm gonna check it out and i think uh i don't know southern gothic stories about morality are kind of my like my bread and butter and so yeah uh yeah that's my number nine uh the devil all the time yeah it shows up later on my list i think this movie's awesome yeah it's more Appalachian than Southern, but still, very gothic. Yeah, it's uh, the the performance in this Pattinson is just incredible in it, and so is Holland. Like, definitely a good movie if you want to ruin your day. Totally. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. When we d- you the, might be they, bummed out, watch this movie. I think I watched it before we recorded the episode, and I was like depressed. <laughs> it's going like Jesus Christ, the world is sucks. <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, my number nine is also kind of a depressing film. I think this actor doesn't get enough accolades for how well he is in some films, how well of a director he is, how well he writes. Mm -hmm. Um, And this doesn't, every time you think this is following a trope in this genre, it kind of throws you a curveball. And my number nine film is this. 
I haven't seen this yet. You know what my dad told me last night? He said that you got a full ride to Kansas. You just quit. Why? My father didn't like me very much. And someone told him I was good at basketball. And he paid a lot more attention to me. And I realized it wasn't me that he loved. It was what I could do. I spent a lot of time hurting myself, trying to hurt my father. I never picked up a basketball again. I need a new coach, Jack. You're the first person I thought of. Is the team any good? No. <laughs> In fact, the last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. It's the whole team, 10 kids. I want to know why they're leaving you open. It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. Oh, snap. Heard you're coaching basketball. Just my mind off other things. You don't decide the game. The players decide the game. I understand you're trying to motivate the team, but we have a code of conduct. Oh, oh shit. I'm working on it. Work harder. This team is not as bad as its record. We have to trust each other. We have to have faith. I just want you to be happy again. But you kind of want it too. Don't underestimate the impact you can have on them. You got this. No, don't just nod. I want to hear your voice. Yes or no? Yes, coach. You're nervous. I get it. The truth is, they're more talented than you. Probably got a better coach. But I promise you, they are not a better team. Because they haven't been through what we've been through. They don't know adversity. They don't know what it's like to get knocked down, to have to get back up again. They don't know what it is to fight. Who are we? Hey! 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 We can't change the past, Jack. What we can do is choose how we move forward. My number nine film is The Way Back, which stars Ben Affleck as a hotshot basketball player in his youth where he got a full ride scholarship to Kansas and he ruined it through uh, his alcoholism and decisions he made in his life. Um, there's also another story on why he's driven further into his alcoholism that I'm not going to spoil because it's really sad and it's really powerfully acted. And he's also um, estranged from his wife. But he gets an opportunity to go back to his uh, his old Christian school to te uh, to coach the basketball team there. And at first, he doesn't want to do it, and he's really against it. But as he starts coaching them, he starts relying less and less on alcohol and starts to find his way back to being a good person. And there is a lot of twists and turns in the film. And like I said in, when I was describing it, you think it's going to go one way, and then it kind of throws you a curveball. And you don't expect that in these basketball films where if you've seen Hoosiers or stuff like that, where it's always, yeah, they did it. Look at them. They're superstars. There's a lot of kids that um, go th they're They're just on the basketball team because and he kind of brings out the best in the kids. And Ben Affleck's amazing in this movie. And the movie is well shot. It's well acted. Um you know, because it, it kind of lulls you into the sports tropes where you go, oh, man, this is this is such a great redemption story. And then it kind of pulls a rug out from underneath your feet. Mm -hmm. And when you learn about his character's journey and why he's where he's at, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, and I, I 
I was blown away by the movie. It's kind of those ones I watched on HBO Max just because, you know, I said, oh, I need to catch up on 2020 movies. And I, I left uh, kind of really surprised. Um, so, yeah, The Way Back is my number nine film. It's on HBO Max? Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to check this yeah. out. It should still be. It's a I'm Warner a Brothers film. So for basketball movies. You, yeah. You'd like it. But again, it's kind of depressing too. So, yeah, it's on my list of things to watch when I feel like having a down day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James, you're number nine. James is in Florida now. Um, so, oh, oh wait, I'm sorry. I got us. You made it all the way to Florida. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm chilling down here. You know, trying to catch my COVID everywhere. Uh, like, oh. anyway, um, my number nine is uh, one of the places where I'm gonna like kind of bend some rules, but it's because. This is genuinely one of the most fun and engrossing things I watched all year. Uh, when this came out and my wife and I started watching through it, uh, it this is like one of the most fun documentaries. My, my mom called the other day and she was like, hey, we're thinking about getting HBO for a month so that we can watch Wonder Woman. And I was like, yeah, like that's fine and all, but this is actually the thing you need to watch. Uh, sure enough, they went and watched it and like just burned through the thing. So uh, this is my number nine. I have a story for you. This story has got everything. Revenge. Drugs. Greed. Ronald McDonald. Somebody went to the FBI and said, guess what's happening? The McDonald's Monopoly game was fixed. The Bureau thought it was just some BS story. Fast food fraud was not making any list of priorities. Are you kidding me? This is what makes my fun meter go. McDonald's Monopoly game gave millions of people a chance to win. But from 1989 to 2001, there were almost no legitimate million-dollar winners. The FBI told us the game pieces are being stolen. McDonald's was shocked. Conversations on the wiretap were coming in. I'm hearing the name Uncle Jerry thrown around on the phone. We started focusing more on trying to figure out who he was. He's a freaking gangster. Uncle Jerry was getting the tickets and selling them to other people. This is a million-dollar winning ticket, and he's got it in a Ziploc sandwich bag that's not even zip. Somebody offers you a million dollars, you're going to take it. <laughs> Unless you got to kill somebody, then you might not, you know, you might not be interested. But... We had eight original individuals, which turned into 53. The vast majority of these winners, they're good people. One of my biggest regrets being involved in this McDonald's thing. Yeah. I just wanted a better life, and I feel like this couldn't come to me if it wasn't meant for me. I've lost everything. This thing wrecked so many people's lives. How much bigger can this get? And it would get bigger. How much further back could it go? And it would go back further. But things go wrong. They always do. You can get away with something over and over and over. You only got to be caught once. My number nine is uh, McMillions, which is the HBO documentary series about the uh, the Monopoly game scandal at McDonald's that, like, I remember... So as a kid, right, whenever we would go on vacations and stuff, for whatever reason, and part of it was because McDonald's ran it so often, like, I feel like every time we went on vacation, that's also when they were running the Monopoly game. And so I, I so often remember, like, keeping those maps and, like, trying to track stuff and seeing what you could win and and even doing that later in, you know, life as, like, uh, you know, in the 
in like 2000, 2001. And then I remember hearing like, oh, you know, they this this time they ran the game specifically because it was a sting to go find some fraud. Uh, and that's kind of like all I knew going into this thing. I knew like, oh, okay, part of why they don't do it the same way anymore is because, you know, there, there had been all this fraud. Uh, did not know like how fascinating this story actually was, how completely rigged the whole thing uh, ended up being. Um, and I think this is, like I said, one of the most engrossing stories I got all year because every part, you know, introduces an entirely new depth to the scandal where it starts and there's, you know, they inter- they sh- tell you what's going on and sort of how you found out. Um, and and it gets deeper and deeper until you're getting into like mobsters and like really crazy shit. Um, but the other thing I, that I think is really great about this is that they make it a really human story. And so you get the stories of people who, you know, were honestly taken advantage of some guy, you know, they were poor, some guy shows up and says, I'm going to give you a million dollar ticket. You're going to give me $600,000 of it. And that's the way this is going to go. And they end up, you know, obviously getting caught up in fraud. Um, you have these relationships that are like father-son relationships that get completely ruined by these people who admit now that they were doing the wrong thing and for the wrong reason. Um, I, I think it's just great. Like, it's one of the most easy to recommend things that I saw this year because also, like, anyone could watch it. Corinne, this is not going to be too scary for you. You're going to have a great time. Um, there's a there's a scary car crash at one point, but you're, it's going to be okay. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really fantastic. Um, everybody should watch it, especially now that everybody went and got HBO for a month for Wonder Woman. Like, do yourself a favor and get your money's worth and go watch McMillions. I agree. It's such a fascinating story. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's my number nine. Brad? Uh, my number nine is... I thought it was an action movie, but it's more of a romance, and um, it's got some really intense badass moments in it you're going with me or without me i saw exactly what i've always felt about donnie wee boy and i saw that girl can't protect her child margaret jimmy is her boy he's your grandson we're trying to locate a donnie wee boy he married our son's widow. Got our grandson with him. You let it be known you're looking for a wee boy. I'll find you. We thought we'd see Jimmy since we're in the neighborhood. Since you're in the neighborhood. Go careful. Where in the hell are we? came to see our grandson my boy doesn't have to answer to you and we don't have to answer to you Whoa. <laughs> come with us no he'd kill me him and his mother your grandson He's a wee boy now. You're with me on this, right? 
right behind you. You hit Lorna. You hit your wife. Like... Start what she can't finish. So yeah, my number nine is let him go. You um, fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I clearly suit a couple people. Ryan, don't go. <laughs> um, that's gonna happen a lot today. Uh, yeah, it's um, just a small, intimate story about um, kind of a retired couple whose son dies, and they um you know, want to take custody of their grandchild, but given the era in which they are, the um the widow has to marry into another relationship just to survive um financially. And she definitely picked the wrong person because his side of the family takes custody of the kid and tries to get Diane Lane and Kevin Costner out of the family. And so uh while Kevin Costner's character I forget their name. It's like Lockwood or something. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Anyway, Deadwood. Um, he's he's kind of like content to let it go, um, but his wife isn't, <laughs> and she's ready to like leave his ass to go save this kid from them. Um, and he ultimately does everything he can to make her happy, um, to his own demise. Unfortunately, um, Leslie Manville is scary as shit in this movie. Actually, I thought she was kind of cartoonish. <laughs> oh, I love as her. a villain, especially at the end. Uh, when she has the drop on Diane Lane and can shoot her right there, but then like goes into her villain speech. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like three months. <laughs> um, yeah, let him go. It's uh, like a lot of small, intimate moments. Um, you know, the trailer makes it seem more actiony than it really is, because uh, it's really about this uh, couple and um, uh, his wife just can't let things go. <laughs> So, yes, it shows up maybe two and a half hours later on my list. <laughs> yes, his number nine, leave him be. Crin, <laughs> <laughs> your number eight British film. Let the right kid in. It... <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Ryan is right. My number eight is a British film. And, uh, you know, considering how shitty the blacklist has been for the past, oh like, six years, um, this movie came at the right time and scratched the right itch there once was a young and foolish dragon who came to ask a wise and cunning lion about acquiring his territory now the lion he wasn't interested so he told the little dragon the dragon be persisted how could he he started a war so the lion took the little dragon for a walk and put five bullets in his little dragon head. He's warming up now, isn't it? There's a message in there. Maybe you can explain it to me. The young succeed the old. Enjoy the show. Bang, 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 bang. It's gonna get messy. I forgot to wash my hands. When the lion's hungry, he eats. He's 
name is Fahak. It's spelled with a P-H, so it sounds like Fahak. Please! Kanda Fahak. Please! So my number eight is The Gentleman. That's an interesting pick from you. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's not too scary for me, James. I mean, I know it starts off with a guy getting shot in the head, but you know what? I actually like this movie. But the Britishness overrides everything. That's true. I mean, and Guy Ritchie's films have a lot of energy to them. I oh, like yeah. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty fun movie. I have a couple of problems with it, but it's pretty minor. I mean, you have Matthew McConaughey, you got Henry Golding, and Charlie Hunnam, who I've never really seen Sons of Anarchy, so I'm not super familiar with his work outside of that. Um, but like, he's really good in this movie, and he's you know you know how I feel about Henry Golding, especially you, Henry. You know how I feel. Um, but Charlie Hunnam <laughs> is like the hottest guy in this movie. Ah, oh, man. But no, it's a phenomenal cast, and I actually like how meta it is uh, with um. Oh, crap. What's his face? Oh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's character. Yeah, it's a fun movie. So, yeah, and Ryan's right. It does have a lot of energy to it. Yeah. It's it, it's 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 a movie that, like, I wasn't, uh, like, blown back by, but I love Hugh Grant in that movie. So it kind of, like, it's a movie I'll go back to. But it was just interesting to hear it from you, man. Like, I did not expect that. This <laughs> is fun. Yeah. Fun movie. Sweet. Zach, number eight. All right. My number eight is another horror comedy um, and one from a director I had never really heard of or watched, but now I need to start exploring his work. And here it is. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. six years sober for three this is scary it's new i never saw a body like that there's gonna be a lot of late nights and overtime because of the brutal murder that happened in town and i didn't want to set up expectations that i can't keep our expectations of you are very low spans of the bites are gigantic same as the distance of the paw prints it's a wolf or maybe it's a werewolf no let me just make this perfectly clear there is no such thing as werewolves our killer is a guy, and I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kill And we're going to bring him to justice. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. I won't ask you to pray with me because of the goddamn lawyers. Where were you? Where were you? John, none of you talked to me once, okay? They're saying it's a wolf. No, it's a man. When do I get to be right about something? So yeah, my number eight is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, I, I 
didn't really have an expectation going into the movie beyond like, I mean, the trailer looked interesting and we picked it for the week and I kind of walked out like kind of floored by the balance between the dark humor mixed with the misdirect of a werewolf movie um, is all I'll say. Um, and I think Jim Cummings, I, I, I'd never heard of this guy. Never knew what his uh, prior work was, but I think he's great in the lead role, and I think he directed a hell of a movie. Um, it's a different Jim Cummings. It's not. It's it, it's, it's, not, it's not Darkwing Duck. Yeah. <laughs> Same name, different guy. Okay. Um, and um, also, I I mean, you know, we we lost Robert Forster, Robert Forster, not too long ago, and I liked watching him in this film. Get one more chance at Forster, and he's wonderful in the film. I mean, he plays a cop, the Jim's father, Jim's father cop, who's you know, slowly but surely losing it. And it's actually like a wonderful swan song performance if if you're going into the realm of Forrester's career. Um, and Ricky Lindholm um, plays a very important role in the film. And I was blown back by how amazing she is. I think the movie is like secretly her movie um, throughout it. Like like she's the real like scene stealer of the movie. She's fantastic in it. Um and if you've heard our episode on it, we've already talked about the twist that happens in the movie, but I'll, I'll reiterate that twist is pretty well shot and well revealed. Um, so, yeah. Number eight, Wolf of Smell Hollow. If you haven't seen it, check it out. You should check out uh, Thunder Road, which is uh, his other film. That's the, that see, yeah, that's the, that's what I kept looking into. So I've got it on my list of things to watch. It's also based on a short film from what I understand. So. Yeah. I mean, he, he's like the best way I can describe, cause I've known about him for like five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best way I can describe him is that he's like a social media influencer, but like his thing is that he's a filmmaker. So I've known him when he like won Sundance with the original short film, adapted it to this. And this is the new film he made. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a rabbit hole to go down if you're really interested yeah, that, I am like because Snow Hollow was like I just I mean this was like I, this was one of those nice blind walk-ins like it's not on my it it came close to my list but On the Rocks was the same where I'm like I didn't know this was coming out this year I walk in blind and I end up coming out a great time having a great time um, so yeah Henry you're such a hipster oh I've known about him for five years speaking of which everyone get out your uh, pretentious punch cards because it's our first foreign film of my uh, number eight. And now it's time to Sweet. guess which country it is. Don't and I don't want to alarm anybody, but James, do not look behind you. Yeah, don't turn around. <laughs> There's a llama Ooh, behind what? you. Where? Now, llama. Now you're in the mountains of Nepal. <laughs> Just stay still. Oh, yeah. He helped me carry all this, all my shit up here to Machu Picchu. James out of space. <laughs> if you don't move, they can't see you. Or is that something else? Their vision's based on movement. <laughs> Afhandling, daglig indtagelse af alkohol, ja. tilstrømt konstant niveau på en halv promille. Med henblik på indsamling af evidens, ja. 
psykologiske og psykoretoriske følgevirkninger samt undersøgelse af forøget social og faglig ydelse. Det er kun i arbejdstiden, vi drikker, ikke? Men det er jo ligesom Hemingway. Vi drikker ikke efter 8 og ikke i weekenden. Så vi skifter gear. It's okay. It's okay. Er I fuld? Nej, det er jeg ikke. Hvorfor klarer det for børnene, hvad som er her? Jeg er blevet en fuld i morgen. Jeg hele tiden synes, det var fint, at I eksperimenterede alt muligt, men det her, det er ordentligt. Jeg går ikke ud fra, at der er nogen her, der har et problem, vi skal vide noget om. It's a great film, in my opinion. It's The film is about these uh, four uh, high school teachers who think that if you maintain a low level of drunkness like throughout the day, that'll improve uh, your life dramatically because it'll increase your confidence. And so it's about how they conduct this experiment where they're all drunk during the day and how that kind of gets out of control. Uh, I think it's a really good film kind of exploring the idea of alcohol and, and the idea of excessive use of alcohol because it really tries to show that yet yeah, there's there, there's really big issues with alcoholism however a lot of the issues with alcoholism come from why you start drinking not the drinking itself mm-hmm. and so it kind of explores that a lot of people turn to alcohol and alcohol might get this bad rap but you have to address the issue at home first and that kind of idea uh, and i think it's a really interesting film to kind of explore that that sometimes alcohol does help with certain situations, but most of the time it doesn't, and it doesn't kind of work, and you have to figure out where the problem truly is, and so. Stems from stems from something else that alcohol tends to amplify or um, try, to, try to control, so. Yeah, uh, and Mad Nicholson is great in the movie, and so if you want to see a good Mad Nicholson, a good performance by this man, whose name I can't pronounce right now, uh, check it out. It's good. I, I know is this, Henry drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I know this film's been talked about as like possibly a sneak in for best picture in the Academy Awards because and a lot. It's like one of like the leading candidates for best foreign film right now. Is yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. So, uh, my number eight, I'm guessing, is a really long trailer because it's a Netflix film. Um, the Irishman, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> but it does have a really awesome long single take ish. Um, and it stars an action star, and I love action films, so I love this movie. They're hoping if you spin the chamber enough times, you're gonna catch a bullet. It's just easy that way. This is an extraction. So who the players? 
Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh. That's a mythic shit, huh? It's a kidnapping. Drug lord's son. Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life as of six hours ago. survive, you do exactly as I say. Who are you? Name? Obi. Move fast. Stay low. Something's wrong. The city's on lockdown. Yeah, no shit! The job is fucked, Tyler. Tyler. Just find my money. Kid is a walking corpse, and there's no way to protect him. You have a family. Yeah, son. He died a few years ago. The best thing you could do for that kid would be to put a bullet in his brain. We can send a chopper and get you out, but you gotta leave the kid behind. Are you gonna leave me in the street? Hang on as tight as you can. Can't you trust me? No. Good. No! Are you always this grave? I'm not brave. You rescue people? Sometimes. Sometimes I do other things. Uh, my number eight film is Extraction. Uh, it's an action film with Chris Hemsworth, and he goes to extract a kid who's been kidnapped, and he kills a lot of people throughout it, and he learns about himself along the way. Um, the story is pretty... He literally just gets hired to save this kid, and he gets tangled up in this huge Indian, like, I don't know, mob boss fight thing. And he, yeah, tries to save the kid. Yep. So Batman turns to alcohol and coaching basketball kids mm -hmm. to get through his tr trauma about yep. his dead kid. And Chris uh, Thor uses <laughs> Indian gangsters and yep. mercenary work and to kills get through him. his Yep. Just like last Trauma. year, just like yep. just like last year when Captain America, you know, tried to murder his grandfather and <laughs> yeah. didn't get away with the um, inheritance. But the film is technically is really awesome. Uh, if you like action films, you'll like this movie because, like I said, this the story isn't that deep. Uh, there are some like surprise things in it, but uh, you're, basically, you're watching it for the action, and you're watching. I mean, I don't know how long the quote unquote continuous shot is, but it's at least maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, it's pretty long. And uh, it's just him fighting a bunch of gangsters in a hotel <laughs> and then in an apartment and then on the streets. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's my number eight film, Extraction. Um, 
cool. Am I next? Who's next? Yeah, your number eight is next. Cool. Um, let me get it pulled back up. Leona's, whatever she's drinking is like morphing into your background and it looks really cool. <laughs> uh, so number eight is a movie I've seen. Uh, so my number eight is Emma again. Um, but uh, I, instead of talking about Emma, I'm going to talk about um, uh, Wild Mountain Time because if I'd seen Wild Mountain Time before my list was done, I would have put that here instead because oh, I also Emma saw that Blunt. movie and it's way better. Um, so Wild Mountain Time is a movie. <laughs> uh, Wild Mountain Time is a movie where Emily Blunt, who's great, and the dude uh, from Fifty Shades of Grey, or at least a guy who's Irish who looks a lot like him, uh, they both own farms in Ireland. And um, the guy's dad is Christopher Walken um, with like really rough arthritis. And uh, basically, both their parents are dying, and, and the whole movie is about sort of them getting their farm left to them. Um, and it's it's great. It, it's it's kind of like a it's it's very uh Seinfeldy in that there's not really much conflict uh really because the story is about these two people who are honestly very much in love but much like Hamlet like the main character is just frozen and not a just unable to actually do anything um and so you just sort of spend the whole two hours like waiting for them to like actually have a good conversation um but the the lead that I've buried here is it's a it's a uh uh, John Patrick Shanley uh, play converted into a film and directed by him. Um, and so just listening to people talk is amazing. And so it's a lot of scenes of like a couple people in a room having a conversation and talking about multiple things at the same time. Uh, and it's just wonderful. The last 20 minutes of just Emily Blunt and Fifty Shades dude in a room is like worth the price of admission. Um, so yeah, you should check it out. It's crazy romantic and good uh, and just well-written. Um, yeah, and it's on early access right now, which is how we got it. So yeah, go watch Wild Mountain Time or Emma. Either one is fine. They're both movies, but Wild Mountain Time is way better. <laughs> wow. James throwing Emma under the bus. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That was my number uh, eight. The buggy. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> She can drink the bottle with one hand. I'm impressed. Oh, yeah. She's pro, man. She's been practicing all 19 months. <laughs> <laughs> Brad? Uh, my number eight is a tag team review. Like, pick a man, bring your kit. I hoped today might be a good day. Hope is a dangerous thing. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. Let's talk about this for a minute. Why? 
We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. So yeah, my number eight and Corinne's number seven are 1917, which is the first movie of 2020 this podcast reviewed. Yay. And I wouldn't say I enjoy the story. I, it's really on my list just because trying to make a movie that's, it's not entirely single take. They do like extraction where there's certain points where they cleverly, you know, like when they Stitch go to the, like the, the bunkers and stuff, or yeah, um, but it's the, in, the intention is to make you think you're watching a like a real time single take movie. And mm-hmm. as a filmmaker myself, just trying to like wrap my head around what you do to accomplish that at that scale, uh, it's pretty impressive. So just on a on a on a work level workload level, it's good enough to be in my top ten. But yeah, story wise, it's, it's not really. It's kind of like Dunkirk, where it's it's really like a snapshot of the World War One for like a character and that's about it. Like you don't really connect with them as a person mm-hmm. yeah. um, that much. So it's, it's about the spectacle. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it just emphasizes the tragedy. Like, you know, the fact that you get to be with them through so much, like seeing the trenches, seeing just like all the conditions that they have to deal with in the trenches and then in the battle itself. Um, it's just, it's a technically impressive movie. I, I like I I was saying during the trailer that the the way that they edit the trailer saves one of the bigger things that happens in the movie and I appreciated that because when that happened I was like, "Oh, I was not expecting that." So, I won't say what it is, but um it's a good movie obviously. A lot of my favorite British actors are in it, so it was going to be on the list somewhere. And I hate this trend of like, oh, yeah, release a movie in New York and L.A. in 2019, but then don't release it anywhere else till 2020. It's a bullshit. But anyway, yeah, 1917, my second British period drama on the list. Do you think the war would have ended quicker if Paddington were in this movie? 
I mean, yeah. Okay. If Paddington, there would be a war. <laughs> I forgot I mean, to mention Ben Wishaw, who is, he's the villain in David Copperfield. And I was like, yeah, if only Paddington had been the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Just insert Paddington into that role. That would have been excellent. You'd be like, wow, Paddington really took a dark turn. <laughs> I was embezzling marmalade. <laughs> It's funny because he doesn't. It's mine me. and not yours. <laughs> Fuck the poor. <laughs> My number seven uh, is the best war movie of the year because it was probably the only war movie of the year that wasn't 1917. Um, but it's also crocheted right away. Yeah, but it's also got some wonderful performances in it by actors who don't get a lot of chances to shine in their own movies um, beyond being just supporting characters. So here it is. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. means knowing exactly who I am in business with. All right. So my number seven is Defy Bloods, um, the new Spike Lee joint. Um, in it, uh, five Vietnam vets return to Vietnam to claim the body of their fallen comrade that has been discovered, but also they're there to dig up some gold because it's a secret treasure of the Sierra Madre remake. Um, I, uh, it's a film that when I 
when it first unfolded for me, I was like, I, I kind of had to step back and kind of think about how I would stack it up against other Spike Lee films. But then I kind of separated myself and just looked at it as this. It's this interesting dichotomy of how you do a Vietnam story that isn't traditional. Um, I think that, you know, like when we talk about like talking about a Vietnam movie, there's a lot of talk about um, what happens um, to the American soldiers that come back. What's interesting is like this film kind of falls in line with a heaven and earth where it talks about what happened in the war to the Vietnamese people. And for a mainstream uh, Hollywood movie to do that technique, like because Netflix is technically Hollywood at this point. It's very um, it's very it's a very challenging and very brave movie to make in that respect. Um, And also the fact that they find a way to tell a compelling uh, treasure hunt movie in the middle of it is fantastic. Um, I do think it might be a little bit too long, um, but I really liked soaking up every minute of the movie. Um, and, uh, Delroy Lindo, I, I've watched him in several different Spike Lee films and other films. This is one of the best performances I've ever seen him give. If he is not nominated for an Oscar for this performance, I'll be very disappointed because this is, the absolute moment to do that. If you're going to honor, like it's similar to the like Richard E. Grant thing where this, this actor has been here for so long, give him some recognition. Um, this is also the second to last Chai Bozeman movie and Bozeman is only in the movie for about uh, 20 to 30 ish minutes, but every moment he's on screen is amazing. He is delivering some amazing work that the fact that he has past and he did this role while in the midst of fighting the cancer that he did it's kind it's not even kind of it is truly remarkable because they were out in the middle of the jungle filming that sucker with him and he stuck it out and he did it um and uh and i think that it also it has a lot to speak about in regards to what's happened with throughout the year with regards to the black lives matter movement and other elements of world affairs but what I like about this film more than anything else is interesting is that Spike does a good job at reining that part of it in and not having it be the full focus of the movie. A lot of the focus does have to do with this reconciliation of a father son relationship while searching for treasure in the jungle. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, it's a Vietnam movie. I don't think people will expect what they're going to get out of it. Um, So yeah, that's my number seven defy bloods. Oh, and it's also one of the best John Renault performances I've seen in a while. So take that for what it's worth, I guess. Sacre bleu. <laughs> he does the most. It's the most French he's been in Love a while. <laughs> Henry? My number seven film is too long. I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Don't be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. (laughs) You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm gonna be here forever. Yeah. I want to become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. (laughs) I've been dating someone for a little while now. The 
first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're gonna have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not gonna break. You ever think about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with being a fireman? It's fine if you don't have kids, because you don't know if you're going to come home or not, and then your kids are fucked up. You make everyone around you feel crazy. People are normal, then they hang out with you, and then they're fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining or something. I gotta tell my mom you tried to drown me. To the above ground pool, you're like fucking eight feet tall. And let me tell you something, your dad was a hero. And heroes are necessary. And they should be allowed to have families. together time is passing by very quickly why do you think i smoke weed all the time so i can slow it down i just feel like everybody's always disappointed in me and i never live up to anybody's expectations hey thanks for listening to all this you're one of the few people who treat me you know like a person you're welcome So yeah, King of Staten Island is my number seven film. Uh, basically, I mean, I've liked the pattern that uh, Judd Apatow has been going down for the past couple of years where he basically is just giving like comedians like their own portrait piece in a way. He did it with Trainwreck for Amy Schumer. Uh, Pete Holmes had his uh, show on HBO for a little bit. And this is, he's doing it again for Pete Davidson. Uh, and I, I really like that kind of way of working. And it also feels very stepped back. Uh, on Apatow's part to kind of let Pete Holmes kind of, or sorry, uh, Pete uh, Davidson kind of shine. And it really is more his movie than Apatow's. Uh, and I think it it really does show kind of what it's like to be at least Pete Davidson's perspective of Pete Davidson uh, and kind of that idea. Uh, but I don't know. I enjoyed it a lot. I found it to be one of my favorite Apatow films in a very long time. It feels a lot more indie, a lot more rugged than his more recent, more polished work. Uh, but uh, yeah, and so that's my number seven film, is uh, King of Staten Island. Sweet. Yeah, I meant to see it. It looks good. Uh, my number seven, is this the last film I saw in the theater? It might be. The last um, one ever. The last film I saw in the theater is a horror comedy. Good morning. morning. That's me, Millie. Ordinary, boring Millie. I love your dress. I think I saw it at Discount Bonanza. <laughs> okay, so I was never the most popular. Homecoming's this weekend. Booker is gonna be at the dance. And boys never really noticed me. <laughs> Honestly, if this was a horror movie, I'd be one of the first ones to get killed. You, the creepy dude in the mask. Like I said. <laughs> but actually, it turns out. Where am I? I didn't get killed. Oh my god, why do I sound like that? I woke up in the killer's body. <laughs> the Blissfield Butcher strikes again. Don't freak out. <laughs> You're black! I'm gay! We are so dead! Ow! Will you stop? It's me! It's Millie! Hill! Hill! 
Bliss filled high, fill our glory and our might. Not only is that psycho wearing my body, he's killing it. He's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Who knows how many of our friends he's gonna kill? Are you sure this is safe? No. Oh my god, it's a slaughterhouse. I have like less than six hours to swap back or I'm gonna be stuck in his body forever. Hurry up, loser, I gotta take a dump. I have to admit, it hasn't been all bad. I'm sorry, sir, I didn't mean to interrupt. I... Move! How's that feel? I'll make you wish your stupid face was never born. Oh my god, did you just pee yourself? Yes! Whoa, what am I wearing? I'm actually really liking this for you. We're gonna get killed by murder, Barbie. I can't wait to kill you. Time to stop this asshole. We're in this together. I want my body back. Come and get it. Look, I know I look like the butcher, but it's Millie. He's crazy. Okay, Booker, can you look at me, please? Booker! Dry up, bitch. Booker, help! Booker! Will you shut up? Booker! Uh, my number seven film is Freaky. Uh, it's the last film I saw in theaters. Um, it's the story of this girl who's murdered by a serial killer with a Mayan knife, I think. Some ancient Mexican <laughs> Destroyed. Central American knife. Destroyed civilization. Knife. Yes. Um, and it's uh, pretty fun. I was really on board. I didn't know how I would feel about Vince Vaughn being a Jason Voorhees style character. And in the first 15 minutes where he's stalking the people in the house is pretty great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Blumhouse is fun, um, but they do a lot of PG-13 slasher films. And this one was rated R, so I go, oh, this might be interesting. And then uh, at the beginning when the dude gets the bottle of wine shoved down his throat and they show it and it just, like rips his throat apart, I go, oh, this is like hardcore R. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's just a silly movie that I had a lot of fun watching. And uh, uh, if I had one little qualm about it is in the trailer, Vince Vaughn does the cheer and then the friends would go, okay, he's he must be our friend. And it's just a little bizarre. Yeah. Um, but this, I love the set design of the butcher's uh, lair where it's like hanging rats and stuff. And, mannequins all and over mannequins the place. mannequins all over the place. It's really <laughs> creepy. Um, it's just, it's, it's a fun movie. Christopher Landon's slowly becoming one of my favorite directors to watch yeah, right he's, now. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He made the two uh, Happy Death Days, which mm-hmm. are better than they have any right to be. Um, and he also did that uh, Scout's Guide to Zombie Apocalypse movie. Yeah, Scout's is... Guide to Zombie Apocalypse is fun too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just like it. I like slasher films, and it seems slasher films are really far in between now. There's not too many of them. Um, I mean, really, I think the last big one was Halloween 2018. That's right. Don't worry. The best of them is still there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, freaky. Catherine Newton's great in it. Would this constitute a secret Friday the 13th movie? It's obviously not in the franchise, but no, I mean, well, the, I mean, it did come out on Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, the beginning is a lot like Jason, but you know, not quite. Okay. 
spiritual successor. Sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> James, what's your number seven? Uh, I'm the host. James, your number seven? Oh, thanks, Ryan. Uh, my number seven is this. Men are going to come along and want to teach you things. Doesn't make them any smarter. You just let them blow by, and you go on ahead and do just what and how you feel like. Someday you're going to be all alone. So you need to figure out how to take care of yourself. Tell the readers of life how it feels to be a girl. Among all those men. I don't mind it. Chess isn't always competitive. Chess can also be... beautiful. You're an orphan, Beth. I'm fine being alone. I feel safe in an entire world of just 64 squares. Our creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand. Or for that matter. Genius and madness. There's no player in the world as gifted as you are. There is one player that scares me. Who? The Russian. Make me over. He is a world champion. Now that I do anything for you. I'm supposed to go to Russia, but what I want is a drink. I'm worried about you. Don't make me over. What? What on earth for? Now that you got me at your Maybe it's in my blood. My mother went crazy. Went crazy or always was? I don't even know if I'm good enough. You're the best there is. You've got your gift. And you've got what it costs. Hard to say for you what that will be. Yeah, so my number seven is The Queen's Gambit, which I don't have to talk about too much because uh, I think everybody's watching it. Um, and yeah, it's a TV show, and that means I broke rules. I don't give a shit. It's 2020. This is a COVID year. Uh, rock and roll, motherfuckers. Let's go. Uh, so um, Queen's Gambit is a uh, TV show about a young woman who plays chess when women aren't supposed to play chess, um, and she's really good at it because she's born with these freakishly large eyes that allow her to see more of the board than everybody else is able to. Um, and it's really good. Uh, you should check it out. Um, I, I just think it's fantastic. The acting is great. The writing is great. Uh, and it's been the kind of thing, one of the kinds of things that I kind of needed more this year. Um, you know, some of the movies that I didn't end up seeing, I didn't end up seeing uh, like Devil All the Time because uh, a lot of times if I was sitting down at the end of the day, especially like in the summer, the longest summer where like every day was exhausting just to be alive, much less to then sit down and like watch a depressing movie. Um, a lot of times what I wanted was something that was a bit more uplifting or just like, you know, fascinating. Or there's also a lot of like scary horror stuff on my list too. Um, and this sort of at the end of the year has been one of those things where it's just like a warm blanket to to sit and and watch this show um it's 
it's really well written. It kind of reminds me like, uh, it just reminds me of one of those wonderful shows from the last few years of like a, a Mad Men or something like that, where you just are like, I don't even necessarily need the plot to move forward this episode. I really just want to sort of sit here and, you know, uh, live in it. So um, I think it's great. Uh, again, performances are wonderful. Uh, yeah, you should watch the Queen's Gambit. And, you know, rules are for suckers, man. Let's go. You're absolutely right, James. So my number six through one is The Irishman. <laughs> well, that's just a waste of numbers, man. Like, why oh. even bring that movie up again? Uh, oh, no, it's it's not, James. It's totally not. <laughs> the Irishman has been in my Netflix queue for, would you like to finish this <laughs> since it came out? <laughs> Also, didn't you have that on your film explosion last year? I did, but rules are for suckers. <laughs> yeah, so my number one is The Mandalorian Season 2, James. My number one is Jackie Brown. <laughs> like I said, this may not be the last time I break the rules on the list. Um, it might not even be the worst way I break the rules on the list, but everything that I put on the list came out this year. A Broadway play can't be your number one, James. <laughs> it, no, it's Cats, the butthole cut. <laughs> <laughs> I put a meal I enjoyed on my list because <laughs> it came out to this year. My number five is pizza. <laughs> if I could put my wife's lamb bolognese on the list this year, I would. That's <laughs> Brad, number seven. Uh, well, I looked it up, and this is actually the last movie I saw in theaters this year. No. Uh, which which was... time? Huh? Like before the shutdown in March or before No, the, the last shutdown? time I was in the theater. Oh, okay. Well, I guess... I've been to a theater this year because it's January second, <laughs> but uh, uh, t- 2020, the last time I was in a theater for a movie, which um, is, is the same uh, we were discussing earlier. Free- it was Freaky came out on November mm-hmm. 13th, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple days later, I saw this, and it's gonna sweep Korean. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Smithers release. Calculon approves. <laughs> wolf, wolf, hunt them far and yonder. The forest is brimming with wolves. It's my job to hunt them down, not yours. But we could hunt them together. Wolves, bears, dragons, even. <laughs> <laughs> One of them wolf walkers. Wolf walkers? The ones that can talk to wolves with some wild magic. You can come out now. We can smell ya, you stick. You're a wolf walker. You're a wolf when you sleep. A girl when you're awake. Robin! Something's happened to me. Yeah, I can see that. It's flipping great. You're a wolf now. Be a wolf! The woods are getting smaller every day. These wolves, they're just beasts. Tonight we put an end to this. I promise your mother to keep you safe.
yeah, so my number seven yep. uh, was Wolfwalkers, um, a cute little animated movie. I said in the episode where I talked about before that it it borrows a lot of energy from Princess Mononoke um, and changes a couple things. Um, but I'm really there for the animation because it's classic 2D animation style. Um, Corinne mentioned it in the break that it, it's like every page is a storybook painting. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's about this uh, girl who lives with uh, just her dad in this town, and he is charged with eradicating the wolves from the forest next door so that the lord of the land can just be a dick and have more land. Um, but the wolves that live there um, have, like, magical powers, and they won't allow that. And so the girl and the ambassador for the wolves kind of meet and become friends and then have to find out where the wolf girl's mother is at and all the also while ducking from her dad who is trying to kill the wolves um and yeah it's a it's great i'll talk about it more later (laughs) rude (laughs) corinne your number six oh my number six is a repeat it's emma um I don't know, like, just re-watching the trailer, I don't know if I would have put it this high on my list just from, like, how much I liked it, but I put it so high because I know it's a movie I'm going to watch again, whereas, like, The Gentleman was a lot of fun, but I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. Like, maybe I would, mm-hmm. but I know I'm going to watch this again because, you know, that's just how I roll. I'm a Jane Austen fan through and through. Even the shittier versions of the story, I'll watch them. Um, I, the, like we were talking about during the trailer, the production value of this movie is fantastic. The cinematography, the set design, the costumes, the hair and makeup are all on point. It's really just the casting that gets on my nerves. Um, because, uh, <laughs> Mr. Elton, the guy who plays him is the hottest guy in the movie and Mr. Knightley's kind of ugly. And I can't remember who plays Frank Churchill, but he's not like bad looking either, but um, I guess I just wasn't feeling the vibe between Emma and Mr. Knightley like I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think those actors necessarily have good chemistry. Um, and I don't, I mean, I, I think Anna Taylor-Joy is a good actress, but the how they characterize Emma in this movie is different, I think, because they really play up more, like Henry was saying, that she's a bully and that she is a brat and she just toys with people's lives. And, I mean, I think the other versions that I've seen make her a little bit more sympathetic. So that you, I mean, like, you see her flaw, but you're, like, a little bit more on board with her as a character. Instead of just, like, oh, she's such a bitch. Like, meh. It's, mm-hmm. like, off-putting initially. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. As I said before, if it... If it encourages at least one person to seek out and read the book for the first time, it will have done its job. And I'm always down for that. You know, mm-hmm. making these adaptations as a way of getting people to read Jane Austen more is good. Mm-hmm. So, my number six is Emma. Zach? All right. Um, my number six um, is a movie where Batman and Borat team up to fight Robin. We want to underscore again that we're coming to Chicago peacefully, but whether we're given permits or not, we're coming. We're going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War. There's no place to be right now but in it. 
We watched for a decade while these rebels without a job tell us how to prosecute a war. Well, they're going to spend their 30s in a federal facility, real time. People say, you know, Abby, are you concerned about an overreaction from the cops? Holy shit. <laughs> you all right? No words until it's all there. Are the people ready to make opening arguments? At the defense table. Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Dave Dellinger, Rennie Davis, Lee Weiner, John Froings, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale. These defendants had a plan, and the plan was to incite a riot. I call this portion of the trial with friends like these. <laughs> my trial's begun without my lawyer. The court assumes you are being represented by the Black Panther sitting behind you. The riots were started by the Chicago Police Department. Sustained. Nobody objected. Jurors 6 and 11, they're with us. Juror number 6 and juror number 11, you're dismissed from this jury. Can you tell us why? Because this is my courtroom. We've dealt with jury tampering, wiretapping, a defendant that was literally gagged. Hey, get your hands off me! You're the first to suggest that I have discriminated against a black man. Then let the record show that I'm the second. When we walked in here this morning, they were chanting that the whole world is watching. If we leave here without saying anything about why we came in the first place, it'll be heartbreaking. Well, last summer, why did you come to the convention? To end the war. We're giving them exactly what they want, a stage and an audience. Yeah, you really think there's going to be a big audience? Here I am! This is what revolution looks like, real revolution. We may have to hurt somebody's feelings. Is this prosecution politically motivated? I'm tired of hearing you. It would be impossible for me to care any less what you are tired of. Here I am! No world's watching! There will be order! No world's watching! We have to find some courage now. No world's watching! No world's watching! How much is it worth to you? What's your price? To call off the revolution? My life. Open your eyes, cause a new day is dawning. The new day is dawning. All right, guys, walk with me. <laughs> my uh, my number six is The Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, this is a movie, actually, that I... I it seems like I would have almost missed it had it not been for me texting with James and him giving it a high recommendation. Uh, what? what? I said, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. Um, trial of the Chicago seven tells the story of the trial of the Chicago seven, um, where, uh, a, a group of demonstrators, um, at the democratic convention in Chicago in 68, um, are put on trial, uh, basically in the form of a political witch hunt on behalf of the Nixon administration, uh, and it turns into it's it's a movie. Wait a minute, Nixon is corrupt. Ah, oh, Ryan, you have no fucking idea. Um, um, it's funny because Nixon's in this movie. <laughs> um, but uh, what a dick. Uh, yeah, tricky dick, huh? And um, but anyway, it's funny because we reviewed Molly's Game when was that two years ago? I don't remember. Uh, but Molly's Game was his directorial debut, and Sorkin. I I texted it to James after I saw the movie, which is I'm really glad that Sorkin learned from where he fell short in Molly's game because this movie is superbly directed. Um, there's wonderful moments of montage and editing in this film that are just fantastic. 
um, uh, the performances are excellent across the board. Uh, I think this is the best Sasha Baron Cohen performance I've seen in a long time. That's not Borat related. Um, and uh, Mark Rylance is killing it as always. Uh, I like Eddie Redmayne in this more than I've liked him within the last six years. It's not a, it's nothing really against him. It's just this is this is the performance that I like seeing him give for whatever reason. Uh, Gordon Levitt's good in it too. It's a, it's a stack cast across the board, all giving wonderful performances. Uh, Frank Langella is wonderful as the worst person ever, um, and um, uh, Yabdul Mateen the uh, second from uh, Aquaman uh, plays Bobby Seal, and he gets one of the best moments in the movie. Um, so yeah, it's a film that I would recommend you check out if you've got Netflix on hand. This is a movie that Paramount was supposed to put out, but due to the pandemic, Paramount sold it off as uh, an asset to Netflix. Um, and I mean, it was in theaters for a minute, but I didn't go in time and I'm really glad that I checked it out for the stream team episode we did near the end of the month. So, um, so yeah, my number six, the Chicago seven. How's it going? Very cool. Henry, number six. Uh, my number six is a Pixar film. Happy birthday, Mr. Adult Man. Oh, Mom. Black and gross. What was Dad like? His beard was scratchy. He had a goofy laugh. I wish I'd met him. I have something for you from your dad. It's a wizard staff. I wrote this spell so I could see for myself who my boys grew up to be. This spell brings him back. Back like back to life? He wanted to meet you more than anything. Bowie Tooth of Zadar! How did you... I don't know! It just started! Hang on! Dad? Just don't stop, Bart! Dad! You are in your house! Oh, oh boy! Oh. We've only got 24 hours to bring back the rest of Dad. We're going on a quest. All quests start with the Manticore, the fearless adventurer. You mean Cory? She's over there. Quick! Somebody help me! These Griffin Nuggets were supposed to go out minutes ago! That's the Manticore? You guys are in trouble big time. Get in the vehicle. I'm escorting you home. I'm giving you to the count of three. Uh, okay. Wait, what are you doing? I don't know. Ah, I'm looking for my sons. Oh, they went on a quest. But don't worry. I told them about the map. I told them about the gym. I told them about the curse. <sighs> I forgot to tell them about the curse. The what? <laughs> Your boys are in grave danger. a crisis oh no we're dead we're dead we're dead not great i can't do it we're not gonna see you dad you can do this i believe in you my gut knows where to go don't you boy yes you do (laughs) i am on my way boys just stay out of trouble Man, between you and uh, Zach Henry, this is a real one-two punch. 
You're welcome. Um, well, uh, what I'd say about this is that uh, this is going to stand in my place for both Pixar films. If I if I was to write my list today, the other Pixar film that came out this year would also be on it, but it will not be. But it doesn't show up later. Uh, but uh, that shouldn't uh, downplay how good I think this film is, though. Because I think Onward is still an incredible film in its own right. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people are pointing to it as being like this year's good dinosaur, which is a little insulting to Onward. Uh, and because uh, I think Onward is still just a really incredible film. And it just happens that Pixar made two incredible films this year. Uh, and so, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, say anything more if it you should go see it i saw it with basic the trailer doesn't really tell you a lot about like the good beats and the film yeah. which is really nice and so i definitely would recommend checking it out if you've not been spoiled yet for certain elements and i think the ending really moved me and i think it's a really good film about brotherhood well, and kind of what that means so yeah, yeah the that film is beautiful and it's lots of fun and then it does a whole pixar i'm gonna punch you in the face and make you cry moment yeah. and what i love most about it is I don't know this might be spoilers, but um, sometimes what you're looking for is there all along, and um, you just have to be able to find it. And mm -hmm. the film's beautiful. I, I, yeah, it's a great movie. I just imagine Pixar having a face punch department where they just <laughs> come up with ways to make you cry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um. My number six is a repeat. Mine is The uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow. It is a very unusual movie. Um, it's a werewolf film. It takes a little bit to get into the cadence of the movie because it is so bizarre. And Jim Cummings, the lead actor, is not a good dude. It's my second movie that deals with an alcoholic. alcoholic. Um, he's an alcoholic in it. and Brian, you okay? <laughs> no. Um <laughs> And much like uh, Ben Affleck's character, every time you think he's going to do something, you go, oh, he made a great choice. Mm -hmm. And then you realize he did not. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, he's a piece of shit. And he wants to. So his dad is the sheriff currently, and he wants nothing more than to be the sheriff. And throughout the film, he does things that he does not deserve to be the sheriff of Snow Hollow because he's a horrible person. Mm hmm. And he has to deal with this also, this werewolf that's popped up. And the wolf design in this movie is incredible. Um, there is a lot more to it than just a werewolf movie. It's hard to talk about. Yeah, but I, yeah. without spoiling the film, I can't really talk about it. But just know there is a werewolf killing people in this mountain town. Mm -hmm. And the sheriff and the police are trying to figure out who it is. And it deals a lot with uh, their incompetency to stop a serial killer. Um, that is, well, I mean, is supernatural in its abilities. So, I mean, can you stop it? Who knows? It does have a mystery. Like a lot of werewolf movies usually is, or there's a lot of mystery of who the werewolf is. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's just really bizarre and not everybody's going to like it. I'll say that at the outset, but I love this movie. Mm -hmm. It's really weird. Um, the cadence of how lines are delivered is very unique. Um, and again, you, you're following a main character who's a piece of shit. So yeah. well, that scene, by the way, when he when his daughter has to put him to bed. Oh, yeah. That is like some of the most accurate drunk 
I've ever seen on screen. Yep. Like it's so the movie's so weird. I didn't even realize he was the main character until yeah. like 10, 15 minutes into the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. he's just like, he, I said, he's just not a cool dude and he's not nice. And you're watching someone basically fall apart before your eyes mm-hmm. after, cause the movie starts with him being sober. And then as these murders start happening, uh, he goes further and further into, uh, his alcoholism. Yeah. And, I, I what I liked is I, I was starting to think as I was watching it is is he the werewolf because it seems there, like there 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 uh, I don't want to say it. there could be a duality here where who is the real wolf of Snow Hollow it seemed like the likeliest conclusion for yeah. the longest time in the movie yeah but yeah uh, check out the Wolf of Snow Hollow you can get the Blu-ray I got it off Best Buy I mean Amazon I think it's eleven dollars yeah um, the Orion ones are cheap this yeah. year. So if you want to watch a horror movie that's pretty violent and has some pretty creepy moments and is a character study in drama, check out The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Sweet. James, number six. Cool. Uh, number six. Uh, oh, number six is in line with what I was just saying about how I found myself, especially in the early part of COVID, uh, wanting stuff that was like super just distractive, like, you know, like a, a really good distraction that was just very outside of, you know, actual life. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this was it. And it was really scary and good. And I thought it was great. So here, here's my number six. I'm sorry. Hey, Glory, Glory. No, no, no. You need to go. What's he doing with him? I'm as baffled by this conflicting evidence as you are. You killed my son, Terry! Look at me! Terry murdered a child. Everything he does after that is like he's begging us to catch him. What kind of criminal does that? He didn't do it. The evidence and the counter evidence. I'm struggling with that. Where are you going with all this? Is that Terry Maitland? 70 miles away. The same day, the same time as Frankie Peterson was murdered. A human being cannot exist in two realities at the same time. I didn't kill that kid, Ralph. When the facts are filled with coincidences, don't dismiss those coincidences. I have no tolerance for the unexplainable. Well then, sir, you'll have no tolerance for me. All she's asking is that we keep an open mind. You keep your mind open. I'm just going to look for facts, evidence, dumb cop shit like that. I think you should drop the investigation. If you don't, I feel like something very bad is going to happen. Something bad's already happened. If you can't get yourself to really believe, then you're a danger to everyone else. Kid. I didn't believe in anything. Not God, not the devil. But now I believe there's something else out there. It's worse than I ever imagined. So don't worry, 
This is the last time I'm putting a TV show on my list. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, The Outsider uh, is from HBO, and that's my number whatever we're on, six. Uh, number six is The Outsider, uh, which is fantastic. I honestly think it's maybe my favorite adaptation of a scary Stephen King thing. Um, I think it's based on a novella, uh, but I don't know. I haven't actually read it. But um, but as far as, like, just a, you know... Uh, a movie slash TV adaptation of one of his scarier stories, I think is it's incredible. Tells the story of, uh, so Jason Bateman is a father uh, who um, gets accused of this really, it starts with like a, an awful murder of a kid. Um, and the, and the, like all of the evidence is super weird. And then they, they actually have like vi- footage, like witnesses who see him, where the crime was committed, video footage of him in places he wasn't supposed to be. And so he, in like the first episode, gets convicted of this crime that we know, well, that can't really be what happened. Uh, and it follows the story. So Ben Mendelsohn is a, um, hey, yeah, I know. You didn't watch it's, it. It's not it very scary weird. when you hear Leona make I cute know. noises and wave at you. There's a murder? So she didn't get to watch it because it was always after she went to sleep. Um, but it was definitely one where like my wife and I would watch this and I would be on I, like in the middle of the night, like Leona would wake up and I'd go have to wake her up. And I was uncomfortable walking through my house in the middle of the night just because there was there is an element to the story that is particularly creepy and unsettling. Um, there's a little girl who's like having these terrible nightmares where this like monster person is visiting her and talking to her and and saying really mean things to her um and those scenes are just awful uh yeah it's just great like the whole thing was super entertaining ben mendelson is is uh fantastic and then oh shoot the woman the woman who plays the like autistic detective with him uh uh cynthia uh arrivo um, oh yeah starting to pop up but she played harriet and harriet um and she's incredible and in this is awesome like she's she's a uh like clearly on the spectrum and pretty deep like you know but but highly functioning autistic person who um can just sort of see through she really forms like operates as like a a writing gimmick to let them solve some of the supernatural bits of the of the story without needing like a whole bunch of silliness because she is just supposed to be like so smart that like she puts the pieces together for you right um but it's it's just great and it's really good twists and turns um i just i can't recommend it enough like it is really scary so like i didn't tell my mom to see it um but one of the best things i watched this year so uh number six the outsider uh don't worry again no no more tv shows for the rest of the 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 episode so. I've never even heard of that, and I have HBO Max, and that made me you, want to watch it. So. You, yeah, you of all people, you gotta go watch The Outsider. Like, it's just awesome. Like, and I did a good job of not spoiling for you what it's actually about. So, as you watch it, especially you know now, uh, hopefully you'll you'll just get to enjoy it the way that I did. I just added it to my watch list. Yeah, man. All right. And Jason Bateman is awesome. Oh, so good. 
Does he does he ever say I make a huge mistake in there? Like, no, he's okay. he's pretty much never funny. Like that's part of why he's so good is he's just such a straight man in this one. So yeah, check it out, Brad. Uh, my number six is uh, the dark drama version of Mystery Team. I used to be loved. I used to be a kid detective. We're all really counting on you. I was so far ahead of the game. But one day I just woke up behind. This guy in my homeroom claims he's practiced with the Mets. I need to find out if he's lying. He's lying. So what can I help you with? Somebody murdered my boyfriend. Seriously? Pretty seriously. He was stabbed 17 times. Is it possible he was involved in drugs? No, he would never do drugs. Gambling? No, he would never gamble. Demon worship? No, he would never worship a demon. Here comes the kid detective. Someone's following us. This isn't safe. They're trying to see how my head works. Somebody's testing me. Yeah, so my number six is the kid detective. Adam Brody is a child. Apparently, James went to the bathroom. He's <laughs> alerted us with a sign. Uh, Adam Brody's this uh, kid genius who, uh, as a kid, you know, gets this town enamored with him because he solves all these petty crimes um, as a child. And then uh, they go so far as to get him his own... Uh, like office and he gets a secretary who then gets kidnapped as a kid and he can't solve that case. And so for like the next 20 years, he mopes around struggling to understand why it's on the podcast, right? Yeah. Okay. So I remember, I remember this premise. Yeah. It's on theaters like in September, I think. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that mystery he hasn't been able to solve just haunts him and he spirals into depression. And then eventually something connected to that crime, resurfaces years later and he goes on a crusade to try to solve that and redeem himself and uh those storylines sort of connect and uh I, it's uh it's like i said it's like the premise of mystery team if you take out like all the friends and the more slapstick comedy elements this is a very dry more dramatic comedy version of that and i just thought it was the, the mystery itself is actually pretty interesting. Is it worth pre-ordering? Because I literally pulled it up. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's my number six of the year. <laughs> uh, out of, I think... I'm really wanting to check out, but I just never found the time to. And so it's good to hear that's good. So. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, we're talking about 2020, so the bar is low <laughs> for what you can enjoy, but... Uh, I thought I, there were some really good movies that came out this year, despite everything. Yeah, I mean... Definitely, we could have had much less, but oh sure, um, you know, definitely the blockbuster suffered this year. Uh, like, obviously, a lot of our movies on our list are small, um, which is good. You know, give them some love. But yeah, this is just something I like. I heard was good, and I didn't have a ton of expectations for, and I went in, and I was like, you know, the mystery part is usually like in a lot of movies, like following the clues. It's it's things like why I like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade over Raiders of the Lost Ark because there's sort of like clever. Uh, like evidence detective work that you know has cool like cool connections to things you know it's not just you're following characters through a plot it's well know? it's well plotted out and well calculated yeah. and know? it's not one where you're like 
instantly ahead of the main character. Like you know where they're going to be because you've figured it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it does um, a good job of slowing down and like keeping you guessing. Um, I, I think the only detrimental part of the movie is it spends a lot of time watching Adam Brody be depressed. Um, so I think if you trimmed out some of those, it would be a more tight, uh, concise thriller. So gotcha. Um, like at a certain point you're like, okay, we get it. You're like, you're bummed out about this old case, you know? Um, so well, that's pre-ordered funny. it. <laughs> How much was it? 20 bucks. Mm. You own it, right? It's not a rental. <laughs> no, it's not a rental. Okay. <laughs> so some of them rent for 20 bucks. It's insane. Yeah. I right don't Cool. I'll have to check it out. Corinne, you're number five. Yeah. My number five is repeat. I'm honestly kind of surprised. I figured I would be the asshole who sweeps uh, Zach and James, but um, you guys know me. You know I'm a sucker for the First Amendment. The last two years I've had the post and official secrets on my list, so this is my First Amendment movie of the year. It's The Trial of the Chicago 7. Hell yeah. I watched it after listening to the Stream Team episode, Hmm. and I was like, this sounds good. I'm going to have to check this out. So thanks to Zach and by way of James for recommending that. So, um, I mean, it's not like a fun movie, but it was no. <laughs> it, it was entertaining and educational because I didn't know that story of the Chicago Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it you know it's just an all star cast. Um, made me want to throw Frank Langella down a garbage disposal because he's just like that character is just like the worst human being possible. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like you're getting frustrated along with the characters of just, you know, like he said, like, no, this is is not his lawyer, which I didn't wonder where his lawyer was because, I mean, he had uh, surgery, but I'm like, does it take like 180 days to recover from gallbladder surgery or whatever it was? I'm not sure of the full historical reasons for that. Like the one thing that I would want to preface trial of the Chicago seven with is it has, it's been pointed out by other people who are more experts on the case that it's a condensed and kind of kajiggered around version of the actual story. So, but it's, you're trying to condense a whole trial into one movie. It's difficult. I mean, even if the trial had only been like a week, that would have been enough, but the trial was months long. So yeah, Yeah. I can understand why they took some shortcuts. And and also the, the gagging of Bobby seal. Oh my gosh. I could not believe when that happened. I'm like, I I figured they were just going to take him into the back and just like restrain. And they, Gagged him yeah. in the courtroom. I couldn't believe it. And the timeline on that is is different um, because it's used here in the film to coincide with Fred Hampton's murder, but it's uh, different. Um, it's, the it, timeline it, is pl- different, but it did actually happen. And the number yeah, of actual like ridiculous things that happened, like they actually kind of simplified some things to make it not as ridiculous and stupid and the worst embarrassment of a court case ever uh, that it actually is. Yeah. Um, so I'll talk about it later. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And you missed it, James, what I was saying. That thank you for recommending it to Zach. You recommended it to me. Um, it's a great movie. I do think that everybody should check it out, not only for educational purposes, but also just, you know, it's a really well put together movie. Yep. It was uh, It was cathartic at the right time. Yeah. Yep. And I, I don't, I think I've seen Mark, one, like one of Mark Rylance's movies, um, the other Bolin girl. Um, I looked up his IMDb, but honestly, he stole the show for me. Like, he's the one who's like, you know, up there with like Sasha Baron Cohen and like everybody else. And I'm like, this is the guy right here. He's the one who's like 
holding this movie together, in my opinion. He, he was the MVP. He's uh he's the MVP. 2015 Grin. He's uh he's the MVP. <laughs> Bri- Bridge of Spies. It's something you need to watch. 2018. Ready Player One. Yep. <laughs> Just that's not my cup of tea. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bridge of Spies would be your cup of tea. The BFG. No, I take that back. <laughs> yes, yes the BFG. <laughs> anyway, I was just I was just impressed with his performance. So, anyway, that's uh, the trial of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> this reminded me of the title of the BFG Neon Demon co review, the Big Fucking Demon. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, number five. All right, uh, my number five is kind of a late. It was a super late entry because I didn't watch this up until almost the last minute of the year. I'm super glad that I did, and it was the first thing I ever watched on Disney Plus. And here it is. What the? What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. No, it's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I already know everything about Earth, and I don't want anything to do with it. You're missing out on the joys of life, like uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't. We can't taste either? All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Wow. It's my life. Is all this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! Yes, weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day. And I count every single one of them. The count's off. Huh. Yeah, so my number five is Soul. Um, I think the last animated movie I've had on a film explosion list was Zootopia. Uh, so this is usually not where I stick things in, but Soul really blew me away. I have not... I haven't been moved like this in a Pixar movie since Coco. Um, and uh, this one in particular, I think it uh, it does a great job at tackling a, a huge subject in a way that 
the more I've thought about it since we've talked about it on the Wonder Woman episode, the more I realize that it do- it can work for children as well as adults. Um, Jamie Foxx is incredible in it. I, I mean, Tina Fey's wonderful in it. I did not realize it was Tina Fey until after the movie was over. Um, and I appreciate how it um, it has a it has a there's a turn in the movie about what like you think it's going to be about finding your creativity, finding your spark, and it ends up becoming about much much more. There are shots in the film or sequences of animation that feel like an independent film where I'm like, this doesn't belong here. This is a Pixar movie. This doesn't belong here. And when he's at the piano and he's looking through all the things in his pocket, it is one of the most moving things I've ever seen in a movie period. Um, so yeah, it, it, the only reason it's this low is because I haven't rewatched it and I haven't had a chance to really sit with every single thing in it, but it could have been my number one if I had like hopped on the train earlier. So but now I'm on Disney Plus, guys, so I'll watch Mandalorian. <sighs> so, yeah. Soul, number five. Henry, you're number five. All right. My, uh, my number five film is uh, my favorite comedy of the year, uh, and that's uh, this film. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are. Standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You! What is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm gonna get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. So now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work. <laughs> Let's waste some time. This is crazy! You want to uh, dance? You know the officiant? He's got a bag of sweets in his pocket. You were right. Got him. I can't keep waking up in here. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. I hope it's not all meaningless. At least you have each other. Nothing worse than going through this shit alone. There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Stand back! It's 
was, yeah. I mean, uh, my number five film is uh, Palm Springs. It's a comedy about two people stuck in an infinite time loop at a wedding. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It was almost my last film of the year in theaters because I got an advanced screen ticket too. And then I thought, that's fine. It'll be out soon enough. And so then uh, two months later, I went and saw it um, on uh, the internet. And it wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. And, uh, but that was my circumstance of seeing this movie. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very funny. I love Andy Samberg and uh, it's a good ensemble cast. Uh, very smartly written, although there are some plot holes and we just kind of have to go along with it and just have fun with it. But uh, yeah, that, uh, number five film, Palm Springs. Henry, I'm so glad that you got this on the list because I wanted to put it on mine and Ryan said he wanted to put it on his, but I mean, there, yeah, it kind of flew under everyone's radar and it's a pretty fun movie. This is why they call me the savior of Real Nerds <laughs> So That is why we pray for him every Sunday. Oh, hail Henry. But yeah, that's my number five. Yeah beautiful it's a fun out. movie it's it, they, it it's in the trailer where he gets shot in the shoulder by jk simmons you go it, it's when you kind of get thrown in a loop for the movie um it, yeah it's fun um my number five is a repeat as well uh from a fun movie to a depressing one it's uh the devil all the time it's one of those films that uh henry mentioned earlier that everybody in it is on their a game from directing from cinematography to acting it's really depressing and it's fun in a way to see how all the stories intertwine. Um, not because the story's fun. It's just interesting how it plays out. And Tom Holland is so good. I mean, if you go back and listen to an episode seven years ago on our podcast, when I talked about the, the impossible with him, I said that Tom Holland's going to go places. And here we are. One of the biggest stars in the world now. Kicking the shit out of assholes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's super, yeah, depressing. But when he when he takes out Batman, it's really cathartic in the film because that dude is so disgusting. But then he also goes down a path that he can never come back from. Yep. And it's, yeah, don't watch it if you're like, man, I'm really depressed. Because then you'll just be mopey even more. <laughs> And he also takes out the Winter Soldier, which I think, you know, yeah. you know that's that's kind of an issue. You take out a DC character, that's one thing. Um, I think you mean the Mad Hatter, Zach. Ah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The Devil All the Time. Great movie. James? Well, uh, my number five is also a repeat. My number five is uh, The Invisible Man. I don't know if we have to click a button. But, um, yeah, I really like that. Uh, I... I will agree with, hey man, who was it that put it on their list earlier? Zach? Brad. Brad. Yeah. Um, I have no regrets. <laughs> I will agree that there's definitely some moments where like the logic of the movie or like, you know, oh, how do you get the paint off? Whatever, right? But I think part of what's great about the movie is that it moves so fast and keeps shifting that a lot of that stuff ends up not mattering for more than a few minutes. You know, like the the status quo keeps altering and what the movie is keeps you know shifting generally so that that way you're never quite you know you're not sitting there like uh like in a mulan where you're like well that didn't make any sense why that happened but we still have to sit through like 20 more minutes of this battle sequence it's like okay <laughs> that like that moment didn't make any sense but it's cool because now we're in this completely different thing where now she's here hiding in by you know behind this car whatever like you know there those those little plot things end up being 
a lot more forgivable for what ends up being a really great roller coaster kind of a movie with some really cool scares and a good tense sort of undercurrent to it. So yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Uh, one of those that like, I think it was like right at the beginning of COVID that we watched it at home because it was like, oh, well, shoot, we just missed this. I, I well, let's try this watching a movie at the house thing and see how that goes. Who knew that was going to be such a big fucking deal? Anyway, um, yeah. So, Invisible Man, great. I forgot to mention earlier that scene where she's talking to her sister, and you're just kind of sucked into what they're talking about, and all of a sudden, like you recognize what's in the corner just about as as soon as her sister does. It's just like, oh. It's yeah. probably one of the best moments. All done in, practically of the year. too. Mm-hmm. I yeah. read a whole uh, interview with the director about that scene. You're talking about when they're at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. We'll talk about it. Uh, Brad, you're number five. Uh, my number five um, is another tag team review. <laughs> for you is a word. Tenet. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm getting here. No. Something worse. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national. Mike, bring me in. You really want to know? He can communicate with the future. Time travel? No. Inversion? Name it and pull the trigger. You're shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Whoa. Well, I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. Duty transcends national interests. This is about survival. It seems bold. Bold, I'm fine with it. I thought you were going to say nuts. This is where our worlds collide. How would you like to die? Old. You chose the wrong profession. Here. Hasn't happened yet. There are people in the future who need us. I need a tenant. We need to save them here and now. This reversing the flow of time doesn't us being here now mean it never happened. You want to crash a plane, 
but not from the air. Not so dramatic. Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic. Uh, yeah, so my number five and Corinne's number four is Tenant. Um, and like 1917, it's really more on my list because it's more of a because it's ambitious filmmaking. Um, mm. You know, it, the story is really hard to follow. I ended up seeing it twice, and I'm still kind of in the dark on a lot of things. Um, unlike Inception, that spends, I think, like half the movie giving exposition about how the world works. Uh, this movie gives you one scene, and at the end of it, they literally say, "Like, don't worry about it. Like, just just go with just go with the movie. Don't try to understand the physics this time." Um, so it's stuff like that, and it, even the pro, um, and it's like the movie is so much about like the gimmick that once again, like Nolan sacrifices character development. Like this, literally, this character doesn't even have a name. He's just called the protagonist, mm-hmm. which is like one of the laziest <laughs> things to do to your character. Um, but he's really just a vessel to move the plot along. Like he's not so much of a character as you would hope he would be. Um, so it's really like Kenneth Branagh and Elizabeth Debicki's characters that kind of get development in the movie. So I guess technically Pattinson as well. And actually Pattinson kind of, cause he has like a, like a side story that you don't really figure out is going on until the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, sad that the the character that should be taking us through the movie is kind of playing taking a backseat to everyone else so yeah um but i think john david washington does a great job uh mm-hmm. trying to get this really complex concepts and dialogues out uh dialogue out as best he can um yeah because he's the vessel for us <laughs> i mean we're going along with the ride with him so yeah. he has to be command the screen and be able to follow yeah right he's, and he's like the neo in the matrix yeah. and he's really good at commanding a room or commanding a scene so it's the right it's right to get somebody like him it's just the wishes that he had more to do so yeah it's just, yeah a lot of it is just that you know no one's swinging for the fences of like high concept filmmaking and it's unfortunate that you know they chose this to be like hey come back to theaters to watch this really heady cerebral uh, you know, maybe the explosions will distract you enough that you'll come back to the theaters four or five times. And it's like, no, you got to like have interesting characters and uh, I, I witty dialogue. Think, I still think Wonder Woman should yeah, have been the first one. Wonder Woman should have been the way I'm to go. I'm not saying it's a better film. <laughs> I'm just saying it would have got more people into the theaters. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one? on my list because, I mean, it's a Christopher Nolan film. It's about time travel, even if they don't call it time travel, but it's time travel. It's British. It does have British people in it, yeah. Um, they eat their tea and biscuits backwards. It's time inversion. Whatever. It's time travel. It operates like time travel. Anyway. Inverted time travel. You can't just jump ahead to wherever you want to go. You have to, in real time, go to where I you get want. That. Indeed. But it works in the story like time travel does. Because you have people from the future affecting the past, people from the past affecting the future, that kind of thing. But, no, it's yeah. a... It, yeah, there are problems with it, but it was Time just travel. It was an <laughs> it was an entertaining movie to see, uh, to experience, and to go back and watch it the second time, knowing more of what is going on. Um, I think the I really enjoyed the first time I saw it. You know, the sequence where they start inverting, 
and seeing everything kind of like oh everything starts to click in your mind of like oh that's what that was that's what okay and then you see the hallway fight and you're like oh it's all coming together okay got it and like i think maybe i'm just like super smart or something but like i was already ahead of the no, movie no no don't give yourself too much credit <laughs> cuz the humility in the room just spread out <laughs> cuz like there are certain like little clues that they drop of like things that happened earlier in the movie but don't become significant until later when you know what's going on and you're like okay i already know how this ends mm -hmm. but that's okay cuz i want to see it happen anyway because this is Nolan, this is how it works. So, right. visually impressive movie. Uh, I don't actually, I don't mind the fact that the protagonist is pretty flat, uh, at least in terms of character development. Obviously, the delivery is fine, but I mean, I did I, the world is so complicated that I guess him not having that much character development doesn't bother me. Like, okay, like you said, like he is just a vessel to take us through this world to introduce us to this conflict. So it doesn't bother me as much. Yeah. So yeah, number five, number four, Tenant. I, I know I wasn't high on the movie, and I've had I have the same thoughts as Ryan does on this being the one to open back up theaters. But I will say I did appreciate walking in, getting escape, getting whatever escape I could for that two hour, two and a half hours from Tenant, and then walking out of the theater and going like, right on, nice to be back in the theater. So exactly. I mean, technically, it's an amazing film. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing uh, when I went to see the Rise of Skywalker in IMAX. We got a preview of the Opera House scene at the very beginning, and I remember being really excited to see the movie. And then, of course, it got delayed, got delayed. You know everything that happened. So finally, getting to sit down and watch it was like this is both really exciting, but also kind of a letdown. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it was a long time coming, and yeah, good mm -hmm. movie. I'm I'm excited to watch it with the subtitles. Because I have no idea what the hell they say at the that train yard scene. I'm like, I still have no clue what they're talking about. Yeah, I forgot to mention, like, once again, Nolan sacrificed the dialogue. Like, the in a movie where you're trying to explain people like a high concept, like sacrificing the dialogue seems like a bad move to me. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he's like said that he wanted you to feel like the sound design is you're just placed in this world, so like you shouldn't be able to hear as much as the other characters can't hear. Or you think dialogue is your ally? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's why, um, I get it. I just, I th th think it's smart when you're trying to like convey this concept. It's like, a creative choice, but yeah. one, one that I don't appreciate. Like it'd be fine in, in the dark Knight rises, I guess. But, um, yes. Remind me, Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson did the music, right? Yes. Black Panther. Yeah, Hans Zimmer, I think was stuck on Wonder Woman. So. Oh, well, Ludwig Gorenson did a great job. Oh yeah. Score is wonderful. And it looks and feels kind of like his own version of a like a Hitchcock spy thriller or a uh, James Bond movie kind of thing. Like he's, I mean, Kenneth Branagh is definitely playing a Bond villain in that movie. That's undeniable. <laughs> Zach, number four. All right, my number four is again another late late watch in the year, but powerful enough to make it onto this list as high as it is. And it is the final performance of one of the most beloved actors of the last ten years. A one, a two, a you-know-what-to-do. This would be an empty world without the blues. 
I try to take that emptiness and fill it up with something. But they want to call me Mother Blues. That's all right with me. It don't hurt none. <laughs> Where's the, uh, the horn player? I got a friend. Come on, Libby. You rehearse like everybody else. I'm going to get me a band and make me some records. I know how to play real music, not this jug band shit. We call that playing music. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Go on and fire me, I don't care. When I got there, they began to say. That's to get the people's attention. That's when you and Slow Drag come in with the rhythm part. Me and Cutler play on the break. The sooner you understand it, and what you say is what Ma said account. <laughs> we'll be ready to go in 15 minutes. We'll be ready to go when Madam says we're ready to go, and that's the way it go around here. These records are gonna be hits. Come home to me. Every colored man in the world got to do his part. I'm gonna tell the white man just what he can do. They don't care nothing about me. All they want is my voice. About them songs I give you. They're not the right songs. That'll take them off your hands for you. I got my time coming to me. You don't know nothing about what kind of blood I got, what kind of heart I got beat here. <laughs> yeah so my number four is ma rainey's black bottom um and it, it would make sense that a movie set in the 20s with the aesthetic of a recording studio that looks like a radio studio would be on my list but it's also um it's a movie that i wasn't expecting to be as powerful as it was um so another pleasant surprise uh, coming out of later the year. Um, obviously, Chadwick Boseman is the like all-star of this film. Um, his performance as Levy is one of the most remarkable final performances I've ever seen. It's unfortunate that it is the final one because when you watch him, uh, you're reminded. It's, it's it's the same with The Five Bloods in a lot of respects where when, at any time he's on screen, you are reminded of like shit, like the things we could have had going forward. Um, and, uh, the scene where, uh, it's the, he's Levy is describing his family background and how he doesn't need to be told about the, uh, the, the frustration of the white or, or like, like told, told how to act toward the white man. It's one of the most, one of the most heartbreaking and powerful moments in a movie I've seen this year. And obviously with what has gone on this year with um, the systemic racism um, being brought to the forefront of discussion, which has been here for years, decades, eons, um, to watch Bozeman sum it up in the way that he does in this film, it almost feels like it's a sort of a polar opposite, not just to his performance in The Five Bloods, which is a radically does it a different way, but also towards his Black Panther character. And it shows his range as a performer. And I think that it's uh, a testament to his ability. 
But I want to bring up two other actors in the film that blew me away. First off, obviously, Viola Davis. She's giving off this Norma Desmond type of performance um, where she's really laying into the diva quality. But there's a there's a true heart to Ma Rainey, regardless of how um, uh, how much of a jerk she can be. Like she has an emotional reason for exuding the power that she does. Because when it's all said and done, this movie is ultimately about, amongst other things, white people stealing black people's uh, art and creativity and using it as their own. The final shot of the movie with um, what seems like the equivalent of a Paul White jazz ensemble playing um, a Paul Whiteman uh, swing ensemble playing Levy's music is one of the most haunting last frames of a film I've seen this year. And I'm, I'm always stuck on the final frame. If you can stuck me, stick me on the final frame, like you've made a good movie for me. Um, and this one definitely has it, but also um, I wanted to bring up Glenn Turman as Toledo. Um, he's kind of like an undersung subtle performance in the film. I, had, I, I, the only time I had seen this guy before was in the wire and it'd been a long ass time. So when I saw him, I didn't rec- recognize him right away, but he gives this, very very like down to earth kind of side performance in in a very much an actor showcase it's it's easy for the other actors to be supplanted by davis and bozeman but i think terman sticks it out the best um and i think it's beautifully directed i think it's nice it's a good way to encapsulate and film a play is trying to treat it in the similar vein of like a one shot type of deal for much of the movie um and it moves at a clip it doesn't drag it it moves at the pace it needs to move. Um, I still want to keep watching it and keep examining it. It could go up further down the line, but for right now, this is a good placement for it. Um, so yeah, my number four, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's on Netflix, guys, so you have no more excuses not to watch it. I love the energy of it. It has a nice beat, and yeah. I think Chadwick Boseman's incredible. Yep. I watched this last night, and it was a very depressing but very captivating movie. Oh, yeah. I, the only thing I and you can probably, tell it's a play. Yeah, the, my only issue is I don't like his choice at the end of the film. It's like a, right. it's like a live action version of the. Uh, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I I don't. That's the only issue I have with the film because I, it doesn't make sense to me. But Bozeman is incredible in it, and he definitely deserves accolades for his performance. Henry, number four. Uh, so my number four film is the scariest documentary I've seen in a long time. I've just always been into drawing. It takes tons of time to come up with a character. And then eventually it was Pepe. It's a happy little frog. You like drinking and hanging out. It became Boys Club. It's one of the funniest comics of the last ten years. Feels good, man. That was the frame that started it all. <laughs> became a meme. I didn't even know what a meme was. There were all these boys trying to own each other on the message boards. In drops Pepe. Right for the take. He had gone dark. The white supremacist movement has taken over Pepe the Frog. Pepe escaped out there into the memosphere. It got so big that you couldn't reverse it. It seems incredibly random that this frog is going to represent white supremacy. 
creating memes. Gave people who had never been involved in politics a way in. It was like making the internet real. I'm just a spectator to how things kind of evolve on the internet. It's a window into this dark place. Then it started to get strange. Pepe has permanently altered the course of history. Do you feel any personal responsibility for the bad stuff that has come out of this? Whatever Pepe meant to all these other people didn't mean the same thing to me. I'm doing everything I can in my power to shut these assholes up. Answer the question I asked you. Can we turn a recognized hate symbol into a love symbol? We can change the course of this thing. Suddenly, Pepe is being used as a symbol of hope. If you want to escape hell, you can't ignore it. You almost have to go to the center of it. Pepe the Frog is an omen because it's not going to go away until we hear the message that it has to say. So how did you pick the name Pepe the Frog? It sounded like pee-pee. Um, to go pee-pee. So yeah, my number four film is uh, Feels Good Man, which is a documentary about Pepe the Frog, the uh, meme on 4chan that evolved out of that. Uh, and then, but it's really, and also about the creator trying to reclaim it after it, is, it becomes kind of a symbol of the alt-right and white supremacist movement. Uh, but what the documentary really is, like deeper down, is a documentary really exploring 4chan's influence in American politics right now and how dangerous that is. Uh, and, like, and also showing how easy it was for them to do it. Uh, and I think it's a very good cautionary tale at the end of the day about like, this is a problem that we don't really have a solution for yet. Uh, and I think it's just a really interesting documentary kind of exploring how memes work and what the danger is behind that and what we need to be cautious of moving forward. But I think it's a very interesting documentary. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a trailer for this at Alamo, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> I yeah. didn't see it. I was, like, ready to see it, and then it d disappeared from theaters. Yeah. The week I was ready to go. Yeah. This is one of those things I remember a couple of years ago when uh, the podcast Reply All did a story on Pepe right after he'd been misappropriated. Um, and, and it just, like, is both bizarre and infuriating and yeah if you know anything about 4chan you're like oh well yeah this is like it's literally like the, what was once the asshole of the internet has become the the open weeping rectum of our entire society um, <laughs> and it's just like it's disturbing and it explains so much of what's wrong and yeah no it, it's great good job henry there have been like a lot of documentaries and projects this year about 4chan in a way, kind of exploring in like the nature of it. And this is the best one that I've seen in a long time that actually, that is actually accurate to how 4chan works. Cause there's a lot of stuff that is made that doesn't understand how the program works. Uh, but this is the first one to actually do a very accurate detail of how this website works and explains it very well. Henry, is it streaming somewhere? We, I had to rent it on Amazon, but yeah, probably soon though. I think it's on Alamo on demand. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, my number four film is not a repeat. It's the best animated film of the year. 
Once a generation, there is a tournament. Why would I fight for you? Because he will be in attendance. I can send you there, Hanzo. Hanzo is dead. Call me Scorpion. Let Mortal Kombat begin! I will win this tournament. You're gonna keep crying like a bitch or fight like a man? Eat me, Buttercup. You are the only hope left for Earthrealm. If Emperor Shao Kahn wins the 10th Mortal Kombat tournament, then you all die. Get over here! This thing better not go straight to video. On digital and Blu-ray. Uh, so my number four is Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge. Oh, fuck you, James. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, It's super violent. It tells this basically the origin story of Mortal Kombat and Scorpion and Sub-Zero, which the story is pretty fascinating. Um, Scorpion's basically, or Hanzo Hanshi is basically... Uh, lied to by the sorcerer Quan Chi about what happened to his family and he by doing that he creates this demon who goes into the Mortal Kombat tournament kills a lot of people um yes that is Joel McHale is Johnny Cage if you were wondering um uh, it's super violent it's way over the top and it's kind of the Mortal Kombat movie I've been waiting for um yeah it, I just loved it. If you're a Mortal Kombat fan, you'll love it. If you don't like Mortal Kombat, you'll go, oh, it's violent. I'm Mortal Kombat ignorant, and I want to um, watch it. The, the animation's really great. It's kind of a, a blend of anime and the Warner Brothers direct-to-video uh, Blu-rays. Um, yeah, it's lots of fun. Uh, the special features on the Blu-ray are pretty great, too. So, it's a, I mean, if you like Mortal Kombat, it's a worldly purchase. You know, yeah. if you like violence. Sweet. And bad language. And bad language, like the trailer said. <laughs> I love how that was on a... anybody else's list, really. <laughs> I love how that was a selling point. Well, it is rounds. because the Mortal Kombat movies that came out in the mid-90s were PG-13, so they're really tame. Hey, they could have one F-bomb in there. They do. <laughs> and uh, so it's like a big selling point. is this no holds barred. Here's... Scorpion ripping three heads off at once. To keep it in in line with James's new background, you go, Guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> <laughs> this is the Mortal Kombat movie you've been wanting. The best part about James's background is it has the 80s lasers in it. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, for those at home, it is Tiger King. We had a chance to forget this shit. <laughs> nah, man. Uh, We're about to bring this thing completely off the rails. <laughs> James, number four. Number four! All right. Uh, number four. Um, yeah, I, 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 I will do all of my explaining after the trailer. So yeah, just play the trailer. Number four. Here it is. Somewhere along the way, the Jesus movement got hijacked. 
Rob Bell has been raising a lot of eyebrows lately for his evolving views about Christianity and the Bible. Some evangelicals are calling it twisted scripture, also inspiring charges of heresy. And it's my honor to welcome to the show live in studio, Rob Bell, everybody, Rob Bell! The religions have failed. So we are going through a revolution because these great traditions have to be expanded. I believe the, the man is a false teacher. I believe he's a, a heretic. He is a, a paradigm shifter uh, more than he realizes. Men like Rob Bell, they claim to be working of God. He wants to dull the voice of God. Women's rights, LGBT, minorities, love of our Muslim neighbors. If those aren't all basics, you're done. Rob Bell should fear God because he's a liar and he's a heretic. What's my first favorite book? The Bible. Lots of people grew up in churches that had an American flag on the stage. The flag and the Bible were like holding hands. This country was built by Christian people who believed in the Word of God. You know, I'm leading with the evangelicals. I'm a good Christian. The Bible has caused so much damage. In many ways, it's often been an agent of dragging everything backwards. This system that we're a part of is totally unprecedented in the history of the universe. So there is a chance, as a citizen of the most powerful military machine the world has ever seen, there's a chance you might miss some of its central themes. Well, if you think about the religion that's arisen in Jesus' name, it is anti what Jesus was talking about. I think Rob struck a chord with a lot of people like me who lost their faith and then as Rob so perfectly puts, we still felt an ache. What is the point of any of this? He's challenging a status quo that is profoundly invested in its conservative ideals. The questions that we are asking about power, violence, mental health, how do you forgive people who have wronged you? People have been wrestling with this and asking these questions for thousands of years. What kept happening is when I kept going into the Jesus teachings, it took me beyond a religion to what does it mean to be human? And I actually think Jesus would be absolutely mortified that somebody started a religion in his name. That was a trailer for The Heretic, uh, which is a movie about Rob Bell, who's an author uh, and former pastor, um, who he was the pastor of Mars Hill, which was one of the, it was at the time the fastest growing evangelical church in the world. Um, and then he was kicked out for saying that women should have positions of power in the church. Um, and now is a lot of things. Um, since then has written even more uh <laughs> controversial books but here's the thing uh the heretic came out in 2018 so that can't actually be on my list so instead what's on my list at number four is his book everything is spiritual who came out this year uh in september so everything is spiritual uh is a book it's a book um and it is uh it's his memoir which you know he's written a lot of books about faith and religion this is actually him sort of talking about himself and the reason it's on my list is because it's brilliant among so many other things but um it really starts talking about 
him growing up and the things that he learned and talking about it's it is a a very stream of consciousness written thing there are no chapters there's no real break um he just starts talking and as what he's talking about shifts um he broadens from talking about to, from telling the story of like him as a kid to him having kids and naming his kids after his uh, you know, men who were in his family before and why that was important. And, you know, the story of meeting his wife and all these things. And as it broadens, it becomes more and more just about um, life and why we're here. And at, I mean, the last, I can't call it a chapter, but the last sort of section of the book is actually him in detail going through um, uh, basically the way, you know, basically going through the the methods of re, of uh, um, of like sex and fertility and and how people are actually formed and why it is all really miraculous and um, and walking through it in a way that really digs into it because one of the things that Rob Bell does so well is hold sort of his faith in one hand and science in the other in a um, in in equal balance and talk about why those two things work really well together um, and why the whole thing is miraculous and in a year where we had to watch the president of the United States tear gas people in order for him to hold up someone else's Bible in front of a building he's ever been in. Um, listening to a guy like this talk about what life is actually about and the lessons that we're supposed to actually take from how we treat each other and what's really important is um, immensely important. Um, and on top of that, I think this book in general is, is fascinating. Um, the way that it's written, the way that it actually loops back on itself so that honestly, the way this book is written, you could start it on any page and it would make just as much sense as if you started it from page one um, because he wrote it in a way that it, it sort of flows back on itself uh, infinitely. Um, so yeah, yeah, you should all just go pick up a copy of Everything is Spiritual. It's fantastic. Rob Bell is, is wonderful and one of my favorite people. Uh, and that's my number four uh, of the year. Because fuck rules, man, double birds, lol, ha, ha, ha. Okay, cool, your turn. It's okay, guy. He hasn't been on the show that much. Just give, it, just give him this one. Yeah. <laughs> James, he doesn't know how this works anymore, so James, just let him, let him have it. James, we stopped doing books years ago. We're on to films now. <laughs> uh, I had to. I'm sorry. Brad's next entry is going to be a video game. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be crazy? Ooh. Yeah, that would be crazy. Is your number four <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077? <laughs> God, no. Brad, number four. Uh, my number four, I think, is the first movie I saw when we first came back to theaters. And this was actually gave me the right feeling at the right time. When your wives suggested couples therapy, do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel. And you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to unite the world. And I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Whoa. Greetings, my excellent friend. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan. Performed tonight will save reality as we know it. 
So my number, f- yeah, four is uh, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, growing up, I wasn't really like big on the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure bandwagon. No like, way. <laughs> like yes they really, way. <laughs> uh, like one of my favorite. Like I, I, I like the movie, but I wasn't like into it as much as my friends. Like I don't think I've ever, still haven't seen Bogus Journey. Hmm. Um, but like, um, you know, this came out as soon as the lockdown was lifted the first time. Um, I went to see it and. Uh, like the movie's fine, but it was really like the sense of hope that it gave at the end was like just like the, a great feeling to have after not being in the theater for like four months. Um, so yeah, the movie itself, uh, you know, I said in our review, like it's it's kind of two movies going on at the same time. Like, um, you know, I'm glad they got the director of Galaxy Quest to adapt this movie because I think he's really good at like co- like combining humor and drama at the same time. Uh, but there's like two movies going on where Bill and Ted are just kind of having their own adventure against themselves. And then their daughters are basically recreating the first movie separate from them. Um, so I feel like it's, you're watching two drafts of a script compete against each other and like no one could pull the trigger on which one to keep and which one to jettison. And I feel like there's a better movie where though like the girls and their dads are on the same adventure hmm. um and the dads are learning from the girls because bill and ted are really like just trying to save their marriages uh when i feel like a more cohesive story would be some kind of conflict between their daughters um and then their daughters end up actually being the heroes of this movie spoilers dude <laughs> and then uh the last impressive thing is like i feel it would have been really easy for this movie to you know kind of shrug off like make an excuse for them not creating the f- song that saves the world and i really respect they actually f- created the song that saves the world for this mm-hmm. um like most other comedies would have been like had a clever way of like oh you know they don't they didn't have to do it the music was in your heart or what you know yeah it's yeah. like some more abstract thing but they actually went and wrote the song which i thought was pretty pretty good because so. i've been waiting for it for 20 fucking years yeah it's like <laughs> a song you've been waiting for that long like how mm-hmm. how do you come up with that yeah and so I, like i would have thought like something on this budget budget they would have tried to like sneakily hide it mm. but they went ahead and did it so good for them yeah wonderful 
Yep. Bill and Ted Face the Music is my number four. I'm glad you got it on your list, sir. Corinne, number three. My number three is a repeat. This was the uh, latest movie I saw in the theater before everything shut down again. And uh, Brad swept me. It was uh, Wolf Walkers. So it's a beautiful movie. Every, like the art style really reminds me of like illustrations from a children's book. You know, like you would read to like a five-year-old or something. Um it's just such a beautiful movie, and I went into this, um, like, I think I saw, like, a short promo. The trailer that Brad had on the DVD, or Blu-ray, spoiled, like, some of the bigger plot points of the movie, and I'm glad I didn't have that experience, because, I, yeah, I went into it pretty much cold, and, like, when the first thing happened, like, so, the first, like, 20, 30 minutes, it kind of takes a while to get the plot going you're kind of setting up the world setting up the characters but i'm like what's the conflict here um so then finally you get introduced to the wolf walkers and i'm like okay okay this is cool and then the first thing happens and i'm like oh okay this is okay and then they have like this cool like sequence where um they have like a nice song that plays and it just like really pumps you up and then some other drama happens and then like the second thing happens and i was like oh oh okay this is like an awesome movie Mm -hmm. um and the thing is like you saw it coming that time so when the mom bites the dad yeah i was like yes yeah it's a good movie i highly recommend it to everybody if you like song of the sea or the secret of kells or book of kells or whatever um the same people made this one that made that those two movies um, so you'll probably like it. Sweet. Bring back 2D animation, damn it. Yep. So that's my number three, Wolf Walkers. Zach. All right, my number three is a repeat. Um, it's Bill and Ted Face the Music. No way. <laughs> yes way. Um, he didn't sweep you too bad then. No, not too. The tight team work because you're on a different level. Yeah. And Corinne was in front of you. Oh, so. you mean I'm on, I'm on a higher level? Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, um, I, I've i been kind of looking forward to this movie, I guess, technically my entire childhood and life, because the first Bill and Ted was very, very close to uh, to my heart as a kid. Um, second one is, it's there, you know, it's, it's a good movie. Um, but when they said they were going to bring Bill and Ted back, I was, I was both very excited, but also kind of cautiously reserved, because I was like, what does Bill and Ted look like? The first trailer was horrible. Yeah, the the first trailer didn't instill confidence, but I try to be as positive as I can, and I you know excited on the show. Like it, you know, I'm still excited. Like it's evidence that the movie exists. Um, and then I actually watched it at home. I didn't go to the theater for it. I watched it at home the night I uh, that Shamley launched launched its final episode. So I was feeling on a creative high. So I just kicked back and I watched it. And to watch this lovely movie that's not just about creativity, but also about the the amount of hope and optimism that there can be in the world coming from of all places bill and ted was one of the most reassuring things i had seen this year where you know i've had a i've had a very productive year but i've also had my own little uh bouts of depression and feelings of lost uh, feeling lost and this movie was one of those things that lifted me right back up when i needed it to um 
And I think Winter and Reeves, they haven't lost a single bit of their chemistry. They haven't lost a single bit of their comic timing. Nothing's changed within the last, since 1991 when Bogus Journey came out. They're still on top of it. Um, I I love the way they um, uh, paid tribute to George Carlin, not just with the obvious homage of having him pop up as a hologram, but also having... Um, his daughter Rufus's daughter be the one that takes him on the journey and having her name Kelly and then also having Kelly Carlin in the movie was also a nice touch so there's a lot of like heartwarming things about this film that there are tech there are like more artistic or better films to put uh, up up near this list but Bill and Ted Face the Music is probably one of the a movie that we needed this year Um, which is again it's something you wouldn't expect like the third entry in this (laughs) This late '80s, early '90s franchise uh, is the last thing you'd expect, but it's I'm I'm glad that it came from this place. Um, and the song that saves the world is one of the best songs I've heard this year, because it just made me well up. And I I said it in the review, and I'll say it again. Um, we had seen kind of this story, sort of with Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And what I like about this film is is that this film does similar things at the end but does it in a way that's a lot more tangible and a little bit, it works better for me. Um, and having Bill and Ted's daughters be the one that saves the world. Like I was weeping in my chair. Like I was just, I, I lost all control of myself. Um, it was one of the greatest things I saw this year. So yeah, Bill and Ted face the music. It's excellent. Henry number three. Uh, my number three is my last, well, it's not my last pretentious film. It's my last foreign film, though. So, uh, yeah, we'll just get through the trailer of this and, uh, yeah. I want to let you know that I really appreciate your help. We're very proud of you. We certainly are. Great to see you. Mm. Why don't you add me as a friend? Sure, send me an invite. Already did. Seven years ago. <laughs> right, right. Dressed so elegantly. Uh, <laughs> well, at least he has ambition. You can't argue with that. A village boy manages to get into law school and do well. I submitted my resume to your company. I'd like to ask if any decision has been made. I understand. No problem. Have a nice day. Goodbye. Tomasz Gimza. I'm a law student doing an internship in social media moderation. Fiat Santorska. I know who you are. 30 day trial. Where do you work? Internet stuff. <laughs> you hear that? With all of this hate that I'm getting, all these people have turned their backs on me. You'll get a bonus. Very nice job. Find his weaknesses. We call him Tomala. We used to go on vacation to his village. Come work with us. We need more young people. Don't you think that a legitimate marketing firm should remain ethical? Organized crime, stalking, intimidation. There are dark forces endangering Europe. Destroying the images of companies and individuals. Amazing. Now what? I want to keep going. Judgment Day has come. You promise? Yes, I promise. Think of a title for it. Authenticity Matters. We're dealing with an invasion. A premeditated and organized invasion. We need great people and great deeds. We're not going to cower to lunatics and internet trolls. Gabby doesn't want to see you. They'll always look down on people like you and me. 
You mess up once and that's it. You're exiled forever. Do you understand? You'll always be a fucking nobody. But I'm not a nobody, you hear me? I am not a fucking nobody. Smart, talented, brash, witty. You could do better, you know. I could. But what for? Uh, okay. So, one, I don't think a trailer exists for this film. I don't think Netflix ever put one out because I didn't think anyone was going to watch it. But, uh, yeah. So, my number three film was The Hater. Um, basically, uh, it's from the same director who made Corpus Christi, which was the foreign film that was nominated last year. Um, but, uh, basically, the plot of this film follows this young, like, mid-20s guy who uh, has a job as, like, a social media influencer. Or not, no, he has a job, like, working social media at, like, an advertising company kind of thing. And uh, he goes on a date that does not go well, but while the date is happening, he, like, kind of bugs the girl's house, uh, like, with, like, audio equipment. And then afterwards, he's spying on them and basically hears the entire family making fun of him uh, and saying how, like, much of a loser he is. And he takes, he takes that very personally. And uh, he also hears, I think, the mother say, say a line of, if this politician is elected, I'm going to kill myself. Uh, and so he makes it his goal to make sure that that politician uh, doesn't win. Uh, and so he, he, it's basically this massive revenge film, but from like the context of social media influence and how like how social media plays into politics and how he basically causes a lot of damage and things get really, really dark really quickly as like, politically things get worse and worse in Poland and so uh but yeah it's a it's a thriller about kind of you know social media influence on politics and the danger of that and how easily people can be manipulated and that kind of thing but it's very good it's very thrilling and very dark so if that sounds like any, anyone's alley it's a very good movie and so but anyway that's my number three um yeah, we skipped a lot because uh, the next three, four are going to be repeats. Uh, my third film of the year, we've talked about a lot, is The Invisible Man. Um, it's really a well-made horror film. It not only deals with the horror of a guy who can be invisible, but the horrors of being in a dangerous relationship mm -hmm. and um, how you can be a victim and from just someone controlling you. It's... It's really powerful in that respect. It has great horror elements. Uh, the restaurant scene, um, you know, even the beginning where she's trying to get out is really tense. Um, Lee Wenhall is great as a director and a writer. Uh, he understands horror very well. Um, yeah, it's everyone's really talked about it, but it's it's a really cool movie. And yeah, it's one of those ones that surprised me how good it was. Because the other monster verse movies from Universal did not instill a lot of confidence in in me. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know Tom Cruise is in the Mummy, but but doesn't it's, mean it's good. <laughs> it's that, but it's the Mummy. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, Tom Cruise make a bad movie. Sometimes they're just okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I said it before, like you know, Universal wants to make these big big budget, like turn their monsters into big budget action mm -hmm. ten poles. I'm I feel like. The best way is to go the complete opposite yeah. route and make them intimate indie films. Yeah, exactly what they do with The Invisible Man because you're 
Because when they came out, they were already like big budget spectacles, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah in their time. Well, no, they were they were all on low budget with Universal, but they had also never been done before, and they were using makeup techniques of an era that have now since passed us. But they're uh, they, they are all isolated from themselves. The goal of trying to integrate the monsters into one, like Frankenstein meeting a Wolfman, it doesn't come up until like they're desperate for content. So like the best possible way is to. Treat the stories individually. Stop trying to create a shared universe. Stop yeah. trying to pussyfoot around the fact that these are just individual stories about isolated terrors in their own way. Invisible Man being one example of it. We'll get to it later. But yeah, it's it's. Or go ahead and try to make movies where all those things ma- like happen, but like just make them not so sucky. Yeah, <laughs> I totally see a movie where like the Frankenstein's monster fights with a mummy and shit, uh, but I just don't. But you, but you have to suck. earn it. You have, you to, have earn to earn it. Yeah, like, yeah, like Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. Um. <laughs> if underwater can be surprisingly okay, uh, there is no excuse for them not being able to make one of these movies all right. Yeah. I agree. Yep, absolutely. So, yep. That's my number three film, James. Your number three. Uh, my number three, also a repeat. My number three is The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, I yeah, I love this movie. I think it was, uh extremely cathartic when it came out i think uh it's one of those that like you know they made it and they couldn't have known how relevant that movie was going to be this year um but um yeah i I think it's really great i think it's it's not the best sorkin work from a writing perspective in my opinion partially just because there's so much the real story itself has so much going on that i think um like when it's all said and done it's just it's just great like it's just amazingly wonderful but it's not quite as intimate as some of his other movies tend to be because there's so many characters and all this stuff you know um so when i compare it to like a a steve jobs or something like that i don't think it's it's as good as he's done before the the funny story that he tells though about how he met with spielberg and spielberg had been trying to make this movie for years and this was years ago and said like oh i want to make a movie about the riots you know at the democratic convention uh sorkin then went home and had to call his dad and say like hey can you tell me about these riots at the democratic convention back when because i don't know anything about this and i also feel like this movie is written from a perspective of somebody who kind of didn't know what it was at first and then is like shocked by you know by what's going on um i think it's wonderful I, i think it's it's definitely one of the best movies of the year for me um and yeah, it was again part of part of what I needed. So uh yeah, really good. Brad, number three. Uh my number three is a repeat. It's soul. Um yeah, we talked about it already. Um it's got a it's a in the vein of inside out, it's it's taken like something like really like we're basically like teaching kids Carl Jung <laughs> <laughs> uh in animation. Um and then just the the message at the end of being like, don't be obsessed with your career, be be obsessed with life, or, or at least take a moment to pay attention to what's going on around you, mm-hmm. more than just your your ambition and your drive to achieve this one thing. Um, you know, don't live such a tunnel vision type of life. This is it's good. And that's my number two as well. Oh, oh yeah, that was a tag team one, but tag there's team, no sort of graphic to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a repeat. Yeah. Um, 
this was a movie I I had to go back and rewatch uh cuz the first time I don't know I just maybe wasn't in the right state of mind or something and like I said I I was expecting it to be a little bit more of like the good place and less of like spies in the skies but um rewatching it I I really appreciated a lot more not only like the message that it that it has but also just the artistry that goes into it the lighting especially in those like scenes in the club are just so beautiful and like you see uh i can't remember dorothea williams when you see her silhouette with the saxophone and everything it's like oh my gosh this is a animated movie like fuck all of you people who are just putting out these like droll like you know cookie cutter animation like pixar they know what they're doing um that's the worst advertisement for Minions: Rise of Gru I've yeah. ever heard. Gru I've yeah. ever heard. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Sonic the Hedgehog is surprisingly good. No, I mean, I mean, no, like I mean, I mean, like Illumination. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Blue uh, Sky. Oh my god. Yeah, and just the that message of you know your spark isn't your purpose, and like these are the things like like the spark is what means that you are prepared to live mm-hmm. like 22 was ready to live but it's almost like there are those little sparks throughout life that make you want to keep living you know what I mean like that like that montage there when he's playing the piano and he's reflecting back on his life and it's like to seeing the sunrise and going to the ocean and playing piano with his dad and things that you know just those little moments that you know kind of make life worth living those just those little little bits and yeah, just that message of these might be the things that you're passionate about, but that's not why you're alive. Mm-hmm. You are alive to live, and living is in those little moments as much as it is in the big ones. Yeah, sure as it has a little bit of Cars Three's plot where you're following the one character who is on a mission to like salvage their career uh-huh. and their dreams, and at the same time training, you know, someone under them um to be prepared for life i mean my thing was like they never they never really get into like what is your purpose and that's okay because i think there's other media that gets into that a little bit better the good place everybody should check that out um but it's still a beautiful beautiful movie and i like the fact that it leaves so much open-ended of you know where 22 went whether he uh, whether Joe and 22 meet up when she's alive or anything of that, or what he does with the rest of his life, you know, it leaves that open-ended. And that's kind of mature, I think. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful movie. Yes. Wonderful film. Zach, my you num- me to take this one for you? You got it. No, I got it. Okay, cool. My, my number two is on my list because, duh. Mank, it's Orson Welles. Of course it is. I think it's time we talk. What is it the writer says? Tell the story you know. Hello, everyone. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankowitz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank. 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 This is Herman Mankowitz, but we have to call him Mank. Mankowitz. 
Herman Mankiewicz, New York playwright and drama critic, turned humble screenwriter, Mr. Hearst. This is a business where the buyer gets nothing for his money but a memory. What he bought still belongs to the man who sold it. That's the real magic of the movies. Thunder, light, blood, fire, religion. Help! Someone save me! All in one film. That's director proof. That's why I always want Mank around. I hear you're hunting dangerous game. God bless William Randolph Hearst. Ready and willing to hunt the great white whale? Just call me Ahab. Do come in. At this rate, you will never finish. You said 90 days. Well, said 60. I'm doing the best I can. I've put up with your suicidal drinking, your compulsive gambling, your silly platonic affairs. You owe me, Herman. Who do you think you are? You're nothing but a court jester. What I want to know is what you think of it. It's a bit of a jumble, a collection of fragments that leap around in time like Mexican jumping beans. Welcome to my mind, old sock. Him, I get. But what did Marion ever do to deserve it's this? It's not her. Not all characters are headliners. Some are secondary. You pick a fight with Willie. You are finished. Mayor can't save you. Nobody can. Especially the boy genius from New York. I removed any distraction, eliminated every excuse. Your family, your cronies, liquor. I gave you a second chance. You cannot capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope is to leave the impression of one. Why Hurst? Outside his own blonde Betty Boop, you're always his favorite dinner partner. Are you familiar with the parable of the organ grinder's monkey? <laughs>
does it all work cohesively and perfectly? Not necessarily, but it operates the way Fincher wants it to operate. And generally he gets those ideas across with pretty good stride. Um, this is also, I think this is the, if we were going to give Gary Oldman his, his Oscar win after so many years, I kind of wish it was for this and not for the darkest hour, because while I like him in the dark, darkest hour, that's a showy role that, uh, would obviously be good Oscar bait. This one allows him to be a little bit more, uh, multidimensional beyond just the confines of an inspirational sort of Winston Churchill movie. Um, I think it'd be difficult to play Mank under any circumstances. It's hard. It, John Malkovich couldn't even do it in RKO 281. Um, but I think Oldman pulls it off immensely well. The final scene um, at the Hearst Manch, at the Hearst Castle when he's laying into everybody at the dinner table is one of the most awkward and tension-fueled scenes I've seen this year. Uh, the whole um, interaction actually with Orson Welles when he finally shows up on screen, again, there's a perception of Wells that is that this movie takes. I don't fully agree with it, but I appreciate that it doesn't throw Wells under the bus um, and that it actually does talk about the contentiousness that there was in that relationship. Um, and also the aesthetic and the technique and the technical acumen of this movie is this is the one film that I've seen where they've actually gotten the aesthetic correct. It, it sounds it's in mono. So it sounds like it's from the era um, it sounds like they're on a soundstage that they're working with early recording equipment um, and that we have the flicker of the black and white imagery that we do anytime they're using some form of CG or anything for backgrounds and backdrops. It looks like it's of the era and it looks like it's on a like may, may sort of like it's constructed on a set to a, to its own degree. Um, and also, I like that it paints Louis B. Mayer uh, the way it does, because it's a little bit more. Uh, upfront about Mayer's um, uh, shrewd, uh, his 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 abilities as a producer, but also his villainy <laughs> in a lot of ways. Because a lot of movies would want to sidestep them, and be like, "But he's the guy who ran MGM." It's like, yeah, and he was also an asshole. Um, and also to make Irving Thalberg a a character in a movie, I never thought that would happen, and I'm glad it did because it showed both sides of him too. Um, so yeah, um, Mank number two again. I have so many thoughts about it that are still processing, but if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And just if you're looking for a movie about the making of Citizen Kane, this is the wrong movie for you. It's about something entirely different. So, yeah. James, are you okay? Mank. Yes, it is. <laughs> James, are you okay? Do you need oxygen? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I'm still trying to get over the fact that the title of that movie is not Mark. Uh, I always just thought it was called Mark. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Well, the original title was Oh Hi Mark. But I, I, it's hard to read as I scroll past it really quickly on Netflix. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't catch your eye that Gary Oldman is in black and white and throwing his fist in the air. It's just one more thing between me and Queer Eye. I just got to get. <laughs> uh, I get it. Henry, number two. Uh, my number two. Is a real sad film. I didn't see you at school today. I went to the doctor. What's wrong? Girl problems. Don't you ever just wish you were a dude? All the time. This is the most magical sound you will ever hear. Down beneath the ashes and stars. 
I'm just not ready to be a mom. Where else could you go? Nowhere in Pennsylvania. I think you should try another place. You going to New York? What are you doing there? Seeing family and stuff. Used to be on this Who came with you today? My cousin. Do you have a place to stay tonight? I know you came from far away. I'll figure it out. This area's closed. Can I sleep here? Where's the rest of the money? La, 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 la. I want to make sure that you're safe. La, 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 la. I know this is hard. you some questions they can be really personal just answer either never rarely sometimes or always uh so yeah my number two film is never rarely sometimes always which is a really sad film that when I walked out of it I was like I hope that's not in my top 10 so I ever have to talk about it again because it's so sad (laughs) Uh, and now it's my number two of the year. So thanks, COVID. Um, I just think it's a. Vi- I think it's a very good film. It's very sad. It's very, but it's very human. And it's very. It doesn't really try to push blame at all. It's really just trying to show just this kind of awful and difficult situation that these characters are in, and they approach it from a very human standpoint. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to be real sad, um, it's a great film to watch. Maybe not the best year to watch a real sad film. But it is out there, and I don't think it should be discredited. So, Should I watch it with The Way Back and just completely lose my mind? You're allowed to do that, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to do it. Why are so many of our movies sad, you guys? Because year was sad. <laughs> yeah, that's my number two. Uh, I'll, I'll make this more fun. My number two <laughs> is one of my favorite characters. Um, she made her debut 25 years ago. She's an unreliable narrator, and the movie is a hell of a lot of fun. Can I help you? Why, yes, yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. Ah, shit. I told this all wrong. Quick history lesson. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. (laughs) It's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list, is this guy. And so peaceful and But it turns out <laughs> that wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. You fall in love. <laughs> He's after all of us. The kid just robbed him. You betrayed him. You killed his BFF. What? You are so cool. 
you never and you're dumb enough to be building a case against him so unless we all want to die very unpleasant death we're gonna have to work together sure Psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for. Yeah. Are we ready? You blow up Hyena in a bathtub? I named him Bruce after that hunky Wayne guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my number two film is Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Um, <laughs> uh, the rebranded title. Uh, I love this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I love the colors in it. I love the characters in it. I love the unreliable narrator. Um, yeah, it, I just had fun with it. I... The, the scene where she goes into the police station is really fun and really well shot. Um, and it's cool to see her break away from the Joker because over the last 10, 15 years, she really hasn't been part of the Joker. And I don't, I like women more where they're not defined by the men they're with. And I think Harley Quinn graduates from being the Joker sidekick really well. And yeah, I just had a lot of fun with this movie and it's violent. Yep. That's my number two. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Thank you. <laughs> uh, James, your number two. Yeah, my number two is a, a repeat. Um, my number two is Onward, um, which uh, I haven't seen Soul yet, just because we haven't had time yet in the last couple of days. Um but uh, but this, I mean, just blew me away back at the beginning of the year when I got a chance to watch it. Um, you know, it's one of those where when I first saw the trailer for it, I was worried just, you know, and Pixar does this where they'll put out a trailer and you're like, this seems like a kid's movie. And then, you know, and, and you're not sure whether or not it's really going to work. And the whole pitch here with all the like fantastic character creatures and all that stuff is weird. And then like, of course, I watched it and was just floored. I think it's it's one of their m most mature films from the past, you know, several years, um, and and really, you know, struck home for me. I, so part of it is right. I grew up a nerd playing D and D with a big brother who was an even bigger nerd who drove me around in his shitty car and we listened to heavy metal music. Like, you know, the the guy who taught me about Dungeons and Dragons is all, also the guy who told me like. Hey, listen to Rage Against the Machine, but don't listen to the words too close. Um, so <laughs> for me, this was definitely one that 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 hit home pretty well. Um, but I also just think it's it's incredibly fun, a, a super tight script. Yeah, the ending is fantastic. I've watched it several times over the year, um, both just because I could stream it, and then once I got the Blu-ray, I've watched it again. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. It was my number two. So. Uh, you know, no real surprise. Perfect. I agree. It was also my number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, virtual high five. 
I know. I was gonna say, of everybody, I think I, Brad's list is my favorite. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fuck uh, you, James. Yeah. Uh, here's a movie where uh the people at Pixar said, "Hey, uh, what if we made the Lord of the Rings and Weekend at Bernie's into a single movie?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I had the same reservations. You know, the, the initially you're watching like something that seems like something Illumination came up with with all the fantasy characters. You know, human like modernized and everything. And then I think about halfway through the movie, you start to get the emotional core of what's going down. And then just having their twist at the end, you know, having this character on this journey relinquish that dream uh, for another person was just like, just floors you. And how also like the, the literal journey ends up being circular, um, like the actual trail, (laughs) Um, I haven't had a chance to watch it again since the theater, but I just, it was so powerful at the time that it, it stuck with um, at number two, like all year for me. So, yeah. And I would, I would point out because plenty of films try for a reveal like that or a message like that. But I think the most important thing is Pixar doesn't just earn it, but it is, it is so well written that it is inevitable. You know, like when they do the reveal where you're like, Oh, you had the thing you needed the whole time. Like that's that can actually be a very rote kind of message that you get in an, in an illumination movie, but there's you don't see it with Pixar. You don't see it until the end, and when you do, it's so obvious. Like you catch it right before they're going to tell you what's going to happen, and that's why like you you just can't help but weep. Like it's just too beautiful. Um, oh God, it's so good. Corinne, your number one has not been swept. It looks like. Nope, because none of you would have seen this movie, except for maybe Henry, because he has good taste sometimes. Wow, oh, <laughs> wow. thanks. Um, I saw this movie at the very beginning of the year, and it's just stuck with me, especially given everything that's happened with the pandemic and like all the natural disasters and stuff, and... It it it's just left such an impression on me. Just it's like it's a slow burn, um, and I'm not in love with it the way I have been with like my other number ones. But it's still a movie that I wanted to talk about. A movie that, like I said, left an impression on me, and I rewatched it again uh, when I had COVID, and I was like, yeah, okay, this is gonna be on the list. Um, it's just. It's special. So this is my number one. A special heavy rain advisory has just been issued in the Tokyo area. Would you like the rain to stop? What do you mean by... It's gonna clear up. (gasps) She really was... The Sunshine Girl. What do you know about the boy in the video? Stop! What do I do? They're going to separate us. Let's run away! One must be careful. A tragic fate awaits the weather maiden. Let's make a promise to each other to always be together. There's nothing more gorgeous than a beautiful, clear sky. Hold on tight! 
don't want to shoot you. You helped me find a reason to live. I'm really glad I met you. So please, don't cry, Odica. Time to grow up, old man. I need to see you again! Even if it's just once! Hina! You don't get to talk Wait, about it's, it. It's, how do you know I haven't seen it? <laughs> because you would not be so dismissive of it if you had. Yeah, I don't know. It's so also my... a secret blacklist movie. That's why you haven't seen it. Who's the protagonist, Ryan? <laughs> the, the, the Angela? No, the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> so my number one is Weathering With You, which is a Makoto Shinkai film that came out. Um, I think technically it came out overseas in 2019, but it came out over here um, at the very beginning of the year. Makoto Shinkai is, I, he's making a name for himself in the West. Uh, Your Name, which if you haven't seen, you absolutely need to. It is a beautiful, beautiful film. It's incredible. Um, Oh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. Um, this Sorry. this film is very much in that same vein and kind of borrows some elements from it. Uh, you know, some people were like, oh, this, you know, Weathering With You is too derivative of your name. But I think they're just different enough that I I can, I don't know, like it just. It's still good enough to work on its own. You don't need to, like, exactly. it still is a good movie regardless of your name. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this I love uh, his style where he has hand-drawn animation, but he blends it with some, like, CGI, and it just fits together so perfectly. The animation in this movie is beautiful. There's a sequence at the very end that just takes your breath away between, you know, the, everything that's going on, the music, the visuals. It's just stunning. Uh yeah, Ryan's over there like, eh, no, it's not. I it what is. you're talking about. I zoned out. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> visuals are breathtaking. I heard that part. Yes. You should watch Weathering with you, Ryan. Yeah, we'll see. Um, there are tits in that. What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't correct me, Corinne. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen Weathering with you, which none of you have, um, the story is about a, a kid who runs away to Tokyo. He meets a young girl who is called a sunshine girl and she is able to pray and the sun will come out because, uh, Tokyo in this story is basically like modern day Seattle. Like it's raining there 24 seven. So to have the sunshine is like this big deal and it's, you know, something that lifts everybody's spirits and, then, like, the plot really gets going, and don't want to spoil too much for you, but he, they have to make a choice, and he makes the choice that he wants to save the person closest to him, but it's going to severely impact the world. Like, millions of people are going to suffer because he wants to save this one person. So in the time of COVID, <laughs> you know, this movie is very pertinent 
uh, are very relevant and you know especially with everything you know all the natural disasters that happened this year and just this kind of frame of mind of people being stuck inside and not getting to see the sunshine and how that impacted people's mental health so it was kind of like the movie for 2020 uh, but in like a good way so that's my number one weathering with you but shout out to season two of the mandalorian which if i had known we could break the rules i would have put it number one but okay hey ask for forgiveness not permission (laughs) yep i'll remember that next time james oh great here comes pride and prejudice 1995 (laughs) well next year's gonna be a normal year and then i'm gonna go back to being the dogmatic asshole that i am where i'm like no that's from last year motherfucker come on Zach, number one. My number one is now Henry saying there's tits in it, Ryan. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was now the best thing I've seen in the span of the year. Um, no, my number one is a repeat. It's The Invisible Man. Um, I should have known that the wonderful miracle of getting the universal monsters brought back to life literally on my birthday would cause the world to spiral into a pandemic. So I apologize everybody for the <laughs> devil's bargain that I made. <laughs> no, it, was, it was me trying to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Ninja Turtles. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're all guilty of COVID. Um, no, but um, no, I, I, you know, we, there, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think like universal, Learn the long, the wrong lessons from Stephen Summers' The Mummy, um, in the respect of like, oh, in order to make these monsters viable, we need to make it an action movie. No, you don't. These are horror characters. You make a horror movie. It's very fucking simple. And Lee Wannell, well, actually, first of all, Blumhouse got it. By the way, Blumhouse has not been paying me the last four years. It just seems that way. Um, uh, but uh, uh. Get out. Yeah, get out. Black Klansman, us, now the Invisible I'm Man. I'm just they trying own, to like, do they, a, a huge like joke there is like, get out. Oh, and oh. then I was going to keep going, but you just ruined it, Zach. If talking nope. about us, I'd really like it if Zach would leave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, uh, no. so Blumhouse was able to go to Universal and say, you're fucking it up. Give it to me. And then he, uh, then the company gives it to Lee Wannell and says, hey, you want to make an Invisible Man movie? He's like, sure. Why the fuck not? And he makes a, un- a universal monster movie that's scary again because that's what the monsters need to be is scary. And it's hard to make European Gothic monsters scary anymore because we're past that point. So you'd start with the Invisible Man. And bringing real-life horror into the Invisible Man was the right step. It was the right move. Uh, you get a powerful actress like Elizabeth Moss to tackle that role of your heroine. You find a way to make Dr. Jack Griffin a um, uh, uh, a scientist of this era and meld it in with technology. That's the next logical step. Science is about that evolution of tech in its own right. So this makes logical sense. Um, the way you do horror in a way that doesn't have to technically be ultra gory and ultra over the top violent um, is something that the universal monster movies were able to do in the past. And so they brought it back in their own version on this particular run. The most violent scene in the movie, I think honestly is the scene at the restaurant. Um, And, but the movie is PG 13. So it's doing things very cleverly, much like 
a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or a Halloween where you think you saw something, but you didn't. Um, uh, and so I appreciated... It's rated R. It's rated R? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Shit, never mind. I thought it was PG-13. My bad. Anyway, The Invisible Man is a wonderful film that brings back that spirit of the monsters. Like, I sat in the theater. I only got to see it once in the theater, and I'm pissed off about it, obviously, because COVID fucked with a lot of it, and also my inability to get off my ass. But um, uh, I had had not felt the feeling of sitting down in front of a television and watching those Universal Monster movies and being genuinely freaked out as a kid. That's the same feeling I got sitting down in this movie. Um, I appreciate Wannell finding a way to make it viable again. Um, and therefore it created the best theater going experience that I had this year. And, you know, obviously that's something that I'm wanting, wanting again, like what tenant was supposed to be was what the invisible man ended up being for me, the best theatrical experience of the year. And it was, I saw it on preview night. So there wasn't even a huge audience. So the next thing I want to see is to see this movie with a large audience if possible. Um, and again, like if you can, if you could do these things correctly, you have won my heart in a way that that goes above something like Mank, where I'm like, yes, Mank is about things that I love. The Invisible Man is stuff that I, this stuff that I, that is true to my core. And again, when you're bringing real life horror into these movies, you are advancing the genre, you are pushing it forward in a way that it needs to, so that it's not treated like the trash genre that everybody relegates it to. These movies are important probably more important than dramas are most days because they are actually tapping into what makes us nervous in a very nervous age. So yeah, that's my number one, the invisible man. Also, it's great that they got two universal monsters in one movie and I liked it because the invisible woman's in the movie Mm. and she technically has her own thing. And no one asked. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. I did give him a look of like, what? (laughs) Uh, Henry, number one. My number one is one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Here we go. I will skip the part where I brag for three minutes about how great and cool I am. Seeing as we are all qualified young men of skill and character. People like that stuff. People like that stuff a lot. Some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm playing this like a game. I would like very much to win. I love it, boys. I love it. Where are you from? I come from a very modest family. Uh, I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. I'm a progressive person, and I'm in a room full of mostly conservative people. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. I've never seen so many white people ever. I feel like everybody has a secret underlying need for bipartisanship. A message of unity, as good as it sounds, is not winning anyone any elections. Primary polls are now open. Get yourselves ready for a turbulent election. Whatever happens, dude, best of luck. You win, I support you fully. My name is Steven Garza, and I'm running for governor. Let's get the applause because... As to the political views, voice of my speech, sometimes you gotta say what you gotta say in an attempt to win. 
I think he's a fantastic politician. But I don't think a fantastic politician is a compliment either. We're gonna do shock and awe. It's gonna be awesome. I want y'all to take out your phones and go on Instagram. Everyone, come on. Oh my God. what patriots are made of that when things get tough we pull ourselves by our bootstraps one nation under god lovers of the constitution of the united states of america that's politics i think that's politics uh so yeah after you finish watching wolf walkers check out this movie it's a documentary on apple tv called voice state um the documentary kind of follows a mock election in Texas that's between like around a thousand, I think, uh, teenage boys as uh, two of them were, most of them run for governor and it follows the election to see who wins. Uh, it exists kind of as like a really good example, like, like on like a micro scale, like the idea of like politics and kind of capturing like the humor in it, the scariness to it, and, but most importantly capturing the hope in the, the current landscape of politics and kind of through like the eyes of teenage boys right now and kind of what the future of politics with them is going to look like. Uh, but yeah, I think it's the most fun I've had watching a movie in a very long time because it is very funny while also being very dark at some points, but also just in general, very hopeful in the end. And so, but I strongly recommend it because uh, it's also just like, like it doesn't think in terms of verite filmmaking, it's, incredible because there are many times at the film where i'm like i can't believe that this is a documentary and not a scripted show uh but i would check it out if you're interested in documentaries it's very very good but anyway that's my number one of the year interesting uh my number one is a repeat from three and a half hours ago my number one is let him go um i love this movie with kevin costner and diane lane uh, we already talked about the plot is their kids take it well their grandson's taken away from them and they go to check on him they find out that he's like part of a clan basically um and they want to save him and then it's like a revenge film noir i love film noir they don't make them very often anymore and this film is a film noir yep and kevin costner is amazing in it i i always love kevin costner when he's has a quiet intensity to him and he's definitely quiet and intense in this movie um yeah if you like revenge stuff and people being murdered it's a good movie to watch yep what's it called release him now yes release him now <laughs> release the snyder cut <laughs> yeah the kraken yeah the snyder cut of let him go <laughs> it's let my people go what? yeah that's that's my number one james <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, my number one is, uh, is not spoiled yet. So, uh, I'll, I'll give at least a little introduction here just so there's something. Um, I remember a point, man, sometime in like June, June, yeah, June-ish, um, where, you know, it was after like, we've been going through COVID for forever and that was terrible and, um, and then George Floyd was murdered and that was awful. And you're just every day, you're just watching like 
really difficult stuff on the news every day and just people saying the worst thing they possibly could and like whatever right and you're just watching the division um and i remember like sitting on the couch about to watch tv after leon had gone to sleep and turning to my wife and just like just being exhausted and i told her i was like i I don't think i realized until today just how angry i am like I'm a pretty Teflon guy, uh, relatively easygoing and happy all of the time. But there was a moment this summer when I was just always furious, like, like just needed to yell at people and was very mad and needed people to see things differently than they did because they were clearly wrong. Uh, and I'd been sitting on something that I hadn't done yet. And so, uh, I, my number one came along and helped quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, here's my number one. Scale of one to 10. How would you rate our kiss from last night? decided to join us all right you all know the drill run your routes lock your log books you run into anything you can't handle Ellie. You have no idea what you're walking into. What are you doing? You don't know how large that group is. How armed. I don't care. Yeah, so my number one of 2020 is The Last of Us Part Two, and um, 
You know what, James? I'm also going to allow this because after you beat the game, there's a feature where you can watch it, just all the cutscenes like a movie. Well, let me address really quickly. Yes, A, you could do that. B, these are the best performances I saw this year. C, this is the best. And if, if you know, half of everybody's list were animated movies this year. So they, the, the fact that it's, it's all CG doesn't matter. Uh, it is the best written thing that I I experienced all year. Um, but more than that, right, when when the year started, like, The Last of Us Part Two was one of the things I was most looking forward to. I loved the first one. And uh, a couple of my friends, when it finally came out, were like, dude, I, I can't play it right now. Like, the world is too depressing. Sitting in this for a long time is going to be a bad idea. Like, I just can't do it. Um, and I was there. And I, I waited for a while and then finally I started playing it. And The Last of Us Part Two is a, is a revenge story, but it is far more than that. Um, and so it was actually perfect because, you know, I know the story they're going to try to tell me. I know the lesson they're going to try to pitch to me going in. But when the game finds you at a place where you are already in real life, just genuinely angry and you play the first couple hours, and a couple of key things happen. They kill somebody you care about. I was really mad in the game. And I was exactly where they wanted me to be. I, I wanted to go and kill every single person in that game and get my revenge. And I did. Um, I'm, I'm not going to spoil everything. I, like, I don't want to talk about it too much and spoil too much of it. Um, because I think it's a, it's fantastic. I will say, if you want to know more about why I think this game is incredible and why it is so well written, um, Just Right, which is a YouTube channel, uh, put out a video about it where he does spoil it and go into detail about why it's so brilliantly done. I think specifically what they do with the sniper sequence um, and the inversion there is great. But I will spoil the overall arc um, that most people already know, which is that you play the first half of the game as Ellie trying to get vengeance against this woman, Abby, who has come and killed someone you care about. And you get to a place where you are willing to kind of turn back and give up on that mission as Ellie. And you've learned something of your lesson about vengeance really just being more messy than it is productive. And then the game starts over and tell, makes you play those exact same sequence of days as the person you were trying to kill. Uh, so you spend the whole second half of the game playing as Abby. And, and she has almost the exact same arc. And so when you come to the end, you have these two characters who are the best developed characters that I, I got to be friends with this year, um, who absolutely are justified in being furious and angry with each other. And what you realize is that what the game makers did was they made you just anger itself you are the reason why ellie is angry and you're the thing that fuels her all the way through the end of the game you are the reason why abby is angry and you are the thing that fuels her through the end of the game to make all of the terrible decisions that they make and so it it drives home in my mind the the tale of the myth of redemptive violence better than I think any single film ever has or could, um, better than most stories can. Th what I will tell you is like, this is the kind of story that when my daughter is 12, 13, 14 years old, I want her to experience because I want her to be able to carry this with her in her life in the way that I will now carry it with for the rest of mine. Um, the Last of Us Part Two is is incredible. When it was over, I, I just sat there 
and was stunned by how well done that story was. Um, you know, if you've listened to the podcast for years, you know that at the end of the day, my number one's always going to be about story. I'm never going to pick a number one that is simply like, like even when it was Mad Max Fury Road, I had a good reason as to why that that particular story was great. Um, you know, that that ends up being the ruling factor here. For me, Last of Us Part Two is what I will carry with me out of this year. Um, and like I said, helped me work out some of what I had. Help me get to a better place where by the end of the year, I could be like, okay, we're going to get through this and I'm going to stay focused on, on the good things that we're doing and not, not play in the dirt the way that I want to. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, oh, and that's not to mention, it's also got a, a, in my opinion, at least as, as a white cis dude, um, a really well told LGBTQ story, uh, actually two of them, um, first time I've ever seen like a trans story told in a video game and told really well uh, in parallel to like a weird cultish religion story. Um, so that rang well. Um, and there was one other thing about it that I wanted to point out. Um, yeah, no, it's just fantastic. It, it was without a doubt the thing that I wanted to highlight. Um, so yeah, The Last of Us Part Two. I'm just going to piggyback off James real fast because yeah, I've never felt playing a game the way i felt playing the last of us part two um and they they set you up because they you know you start as ellie and then you have a quick moment as abby that's really intense and you go okay they're just getting me to get used to the combat of this game and when they pull the rug out from under your feet um where you have to play as the other side of it is really tough and when they clash I have never felt worse in my life for having to win as somebody. And I, I, I guess, let myself die multiple times. Yeah, I, I guess to see if they made me. I guess uh, two times they clash. And both times, uh, the first one in the theater and then later on, I, I've never felt worse because I love one of the characters so much. But I understand where the other character is coming from. And for a game to say, hey, you know this character and you like her, we're going to make you see the other side of another character and we're going to force you to like her, even though everything in your body is telling you, you should not like this person. And, and I will go the other way and say that, like, I love Ellie as a character. I disagree with some of her choices. Oh, absolutely. I let that character die at multiple times because I didn't want to have to make her do the things that she chose to do. And that it forces you to think about why you make the decisions you do. I mean, the, it forces the, the, you the, to experience something you don't want to. There's a point where you have, she makes a decision after, I don't know, 10, 15 hours into the game and you're, you're tired and you're emotionally drained. And you go, do I really want to go through this again? And you fight with her throughout the the last, I don't know, third of the game. I did anyways. Oh, I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh the the last thing I wanted to say was if I hear another argument about ludonarrative dissonance, I'm gonna crawl out of my skin. Anybody who think makes that juvenile argument about this game does not actually understand what they're playing and didn't listen to the story. They just think that word sounds cool and they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> wait, wait, what's 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 their issue with play? the arg the argument is that you're telling a story about how vengeance is bad in the middle of a game where you're running around and killing people and slaughtering people a lot. 
Um, but again, that's a misinterpretation. That argument works for Uncharted. It doesn't work for The Last of Us. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. Do those people who make that argument not like Kill Bill? And if so, why are they wrong? You know, like <laughs> the argument is that you're you're telling a story saying that, hey, violence is really bad and we shouldn't do it. But yeah. you're playing a character where like that's true when she's fighting one person, but not the rest. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The argument is stupid. And the people yeah. who think that that's what's going on are wrong. Um, okay. Yeah. So cool. Cool. I mean, you played this game, and I understand that. <laughs> All right. Um, we didn't get any emails for the first time. Oh, I guess I don't have a number one. I oh, that's right, Brad. Sorry, Brad has a number one. Well, yeah. The, I guess the plea will come in and give his <laughs> stupid last movie. After all that, uh, my number one was Birds of Prey. Oh, really? Uh, Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that's Ryan swept it. Um, yeah, is it it the movie I had the most fun with this year? Um, Death by rocket launcher. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> yeah, I guess it, grenade. It's fun, it's colorful. Um it's you know, Wonder Woman eighty four also came out this year and people are looking at that as like, hey, female action director, yay. Uh but earlier this year I think Kathy Ann did a way better, more creative job of Yep. Um you know, making an action movie, uh, you know, um headlined and created by women. Um you know, I'm not you know the, the characters, uh, the birds of prey aren't precious to me, so uh, them changing things up didn't really affect me that much. Uh, so I didn't have a problem with that, like a lot of other people did. So, um, and, I, and I think people got really hung up on the structure of the title. Mm-hmm. When when you understand like Harley Quinn as a character, like that title makes totally a lot more oh, sense. It doesn't need to be changed up. Um, and then yeah, they also like make black mask an interesting character, which I didn't think he was in the comics. Um, it allows you and McGregor to go fucking nuts. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Victor's as, mm-hmm. you know, bringing him kind of elevating his character a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I, it, it's a lot, the most fun I think I had in a the theater. And I think I watched it like three times there. Yeah. Before lockdown. It looks so. great on ultra HD too. Yeah. Um, we didn't uh, if we didn't get any emails but i did get an instagram reply um and a twitter reply yeah. for people that's what i mean like i i mean, i get emails i got like i liked this movie too mm-hmm. um i i do have an email from my mom but it's not a real list cool <laughs> okay um but uh on instagram we got Maddie o'connor um saying soul uh mm-hmm. is his favorite choice um, and then on Twitter, we had Zach Bynes um, plugging the Frank Zappa documentary um, that Alex Winter made, um, which I still have to check out. But, yeah, so those were our two replies. So thanks, guys. For yeah. I think everyone was just depressed this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I could have put Casablanca as my number one and not felt wrong about it, I would have because <laughs> I watched that movie a bunch over quarantine. So Yeah, like we, we immerse ourselves in movies because we're, you know. Yeah. With real nerds, but the average person definitely like when the theater shut down. Yep, like they even stopped watching movies at home. Yeah. So, um, James, you want to read your mother's email? I love ending our film explosions with these. Absolutely. Uh, so it's titled "2020 Film Explosion." She says, "Hello, real nerds." Uh, my first thought was "2020 Film Explosion." Seriously, I I have nothing to say. Well, if you know me at all, you know that's not ever really true Uh, (laughs) but when it comes to this year i am really at a loss i checked the the imdb i i just have to pause for a second and and appreciate the fact that my mom 
properly capitalized IMDB with a lowercase b. I just that just astounds me. Yes. All right. Uh, so my, I checked the IMDb list of the top 300 movies, and we had only seen 10 movies uh, that had been released in 2020. Uh, and, uh, and we only saw one of them in the theater. Uh, that was on March 6th. Up until then, we had seen movies in, uh, that were actually from 2019. Crazy. Uh, I checked our history on Prime and Netflix. Hmm. Not much to write home about there. Uh, we watched several series, miniseries, and older movies. Uh, we have found a few gems along the way. Um, yeah, we have found a few gems along the way. It has been a fun and sometimes frustrating trying, or has been fun and sometimes frustrating trying to find things that are good enough to recommend to anyone. I would recommend the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which is from last year. Um, yeah, the, oh yeah, yeah. Um, this last couple of weeks, I've watched about 10 Christmas movies. Uh, as always, I look forward to hearing this film explosion in hopes that you might have some good ideas for me. Um, so yeah, that was it. You just... yeah. yeah, like everyone else, everyone's had a weird year. Mm -hmm. I, I think we can just chalk this up as a weird year. But thanks everybody for going along the journey with us. Um, the sun's setting down in New York City. Um, the light has changed. Henry, thanks for joining us. James, thanks for joining us from... Um, your llama ranch space um, Tiger King Simpsons, uh, living, Simpsons room. living room Springfield I really appreciate it thanks to all the real nerds have been here thanks to our listeners for 10 years literally we've been doing this for 10 years and um, there's still more to come uh, next week I'll have to talk to you guys because uh, we have a theater open near us and there's a couple of movies I want to see so we'll pick those out um, thanks everybody mm -hmm. thanks guys yeah. bye bye, bye. Bye. You waited all year, hear what the nerds have chosen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion! Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>